Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Lines open. You can text uh, 086-8104-106. The deaths of uh, Aidan Moffat and Michael Schnee make this morning's newspapers, obviously. But it has all changed now because a man, aged 22, by the name of Yusuf Palani, uh, has been remanded in custody and has been charged with the murder of the two men. So as to what can be said by media now and indeed uh, even people listening and contributing to radio stations all changes now because of that charge. But he appeared at uh, Sligo District Court uh, connected uh, with the allegations uh, and charged with uh, the murder of the two men, Aidan, 42, and Michael, 58, in their homes in the town earlier this week. I'll have some more on this in a few minutes' time. There were crowds outside the court as he's being led in and led out, and they were heckling and shouting and very emotive, and many of them quite angry. Uh, he's been further charged with a Section 4 assault as well. Um, another alleged victim, uh, a man by the name of uh, Anthony Burke, the alleged victim of the assault, was present in the court building. This is a, a separate assault again. Now, uh, what happened in, in court was that uh, he's been placed on suicide watch in prison, and uh, he got legal aid, and his defence team asked for immediate psychiatric assessment so that he could be urgently assessed. And the judge granted that. So psych test for double uh, kill accused as large crowds jeer outside Sligo Court is a front page and inside page story uh, in this morning's sun. The Echo talks to members of the LGBTQ um, community on Leaside um, and they're saying that, um, that uh, there's rising intolerance now towards members of the gay community in general. Uh, a vigil will be held actually on Leaside um, at Bishop Lucy Park at 6pm on Bank Holiday Monday, should you wish to go along and be part of that uh, vigil. Um, in, in other news, and I'll come back to that as I say, but in other news, um, there's a, a Corkman died on the Costa del Sol and there's very little information being um, released on this. I was talking about it on the air on Wednesday, again on Thursday, and here I am this morning. The man's body uh, was believed to have been discovered by walkers. Now, the exact location on the Costa del Sol beach isn't known. Uh, the identity of the man involved is not known. I think he may well have been in his in his 40s, but more than that, I cannot tell you. But Spanish police certainly are, are, are treating his death as suspicious. So that makes the papers as well this morning. Day three, no further information on that Corkman's death, tragic and all as it seems to have been. Um, the Great Eggscape is the story that makes many of the papers. Why? Well, because there are record amounts of people going out of Dublin and indeed uh, Cork Airport. It depends on what paper you read this morning. 300,000 will jet off all around um, I suppose all around sunshine destinations uh, from today. You know, this is the real kickoff. A lot of people did go earlier with start of midterm, but this is kind of the day and this is the weekend when many will go. So they're saying about 250,000 out of Dublin Airport and at least 60,000 out of Cork Airport. I'm assuming that Cork Airport will be able to handle that kind of traffic, uh, but Dublin Airport clearly can't, uh, and that's been evident in the recent weeks. They're talking about 700 vacancies that they're scrambling to fill. Onkari is saying that they will fill them, but there's a lot of training goes on for people who will be hired to work in Dublin Airport Security, and that could take many weeks. So you're not going to see that kind of uh, pressure point or pinch points um, dwindling away or dissipating anytime soon. Uh, the story regarding this, the land that was sold by uh, Cork City Council to the IDA uh, for 1.25 million, one and a quarter million for nearly 10 acres of the land, is criticised by uh, Lorna Bogue, the 
uh, great, the councillor um, in Cork City Council saying that the city has been shortchanged on it. I've been told by councillors that every single bit of research on that price was done in advance and independent advice was taken as to how much they could get for it and that was the best figure 1.25 million what the IDA will do with it who knows it's adjacent to Apple and Apple are constantly looking to um, uh, to get bigger and to hire more and to you know um, you know bed down their involvement uh, in Cork even more so so they'll probably be the ones I would think that will will take the land or buy the land or rent the land or do something with it I'm just I'm just I'm just supposing really more than anything else we have now finally passed the 100,000 uh, children on hospital waiting lists and that's a story from the examiner this morning and keeping with numbers we're very close now very close to Celtic t- Tiger house prices you remember the massive collapse after the Celtic Tiger uh, ran away and the recession that hit afterwards that's all gone now properties come way back up it's like you know inflation has gone through the roof and we've seen property prices now at uh, a seven year high uh, so we're back to uh, Celtic Tiger and then some and looking at um, 15% increase in February alone it's absolutely insane so we've very very soon now we'll hit the peak of the boom I know that sounds nice peak of the boom but it but it's quite serious uh, they won't be they won't be gra- jailing your granny for burning turf according to uh, Eamon Ryan. Um, fair play to Coveney, though. He's saying that rural Ireland has to be consulted on this. So you can see that not everything's happy in the coalition camp these days, certainly with the Greens and the amount of stuff that they talk about these days, banning turf and, and what have you. And the Kerry Baby's anniversary, the anniversary of Baby John, uh, is uh, is coming up. And uh, former Garda, who was investigating this at the time, a detective makes this morning's mail because he says with all of the DNA evidence that was taken um, could well eventually see the Kerry baby's case being solved uh, baby John of course died of horrific injuries, I know it's awful to be talking about this at this hour in the morning but he was stabbed all over the body 28 times front and back, neither the mother nor the child's killer have ever been found and incidentally, when you read a headline like that, nor was the father of the Kerry baby ever found, so very well to say never found the mother of the child or the person that killed the child, but also the father was never found, never came forward either, so let's be fair about this, and I think one of the strongest columnists we have in the country is Brenda Power I love her column in the mail, she's asking a really interesting question this morning why did it, why did we have to wait for the United States of America to show us how to hit gangsters really hard, think about it, the Kennehans will collapse and lose all of their money as we're expecting to happen if it hasn't already, because of what the Americans decided to do. So over the years, we've had the Kinnahans, she says, and we've had the Hutches, and we've had the Cahills, and we've had the Gilligans, and we've had the Duns. Now, we've had the Criminal Assets Bureau, who disrupted some of their operations, but not all of them. Along come the Yanks, and they teach us how it could be done. Don't even get me started on the story regarding Tony Hulhan and Trinity. I mean, uh, Robert Watt now um, has, well, he's, he's got himself involved in this story because his his confidential letter has now been made public and within that letter uh, Robert Watt said that there has there was 2 million euros set aside from the HSE uh, to pay Tony Hulahan's secondment salary for as long as he was in Trinity 2 million and on top of that we hear that he was also allowed while if he ever worked for Trinity and was paid by the HSE paid by the taxpayer he would also be allowed to do work outside of Trinity for wages. So this just gets worse and worse and worse. And again, I know the charities are saying, don't let dogs eat chocolate. They're toxic. I guess I assume then that I'm the only person in the world that has had loads of different dogs down through the years who all ate chocolate and they never got poisoned from it. But anyway, with all the chocolate knocking around, don't do what I did and store the chocolate on the ground because your dog will get into it 
and ate the whole lot of them. There are other stories in the papers this morning. I'll come back to them in a few minutes' time after 10, but I need to plow on with calls. The Neil Prenderville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. And as I say, a lot has changed now since a man has been charged uh, with the alleged killing of uh, two uh, Sligo men. And that, of course, is Yusuf Palani, age 22, remanded after appearing in Sligo District Court, charged with murdering Aidan and indeed Michael. So after a charge, what you can and can't say changes somewhat. But I am joined by Niall Delaney from Ocean FM up in Sligo this morning. Just to get the reaction of the people up there to this horrifically brutal uh, double murder. Uh, thanks so much, Niall, for stepping out. Morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay. Were you were you in court or outside court or were journalists allowed into court? Yeah, journalists were allowed into court, uh, but there was nobody allowed in the public gallery, which is quite surprising. But I was outside uh, court when uh, Yusuf Palani arrived, and to put it mildly, there were very, very angry and indeed emotional scenes outside the court, which I'm sure most people have seen at this stage and, and read about. Um, it, it 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 was it was quite a shocking scene, I have to say. And do you think that the arrived. court was kept empty of the public for that reason? Uh, probably, and I think usually what happens is the Sligo Garda station is literally ten yards across the road from the courthouse, and usually when somebody is brought to court, they're brought in the front door of the court, but that didn't happen on this occasion. He was brought the short journey across the road in a paddy wagon and brought around to the side of the court and entered through the side of the court. And I think that was as a result of the sheer numbers of people. There were hundreds of people outside the court waiting for his arrival okay. uh, just at around half past four yesterday. And how did, can you tell us what happened in court then? Uh, what happened in court, it was all very, very quick and it was a, a a quick hearing. Um, the man had been charged um, by guardies around two o'clock yesterday afternoon. He'd been arrested in the early hours of Wednesday morning um, in Sligo in relation to a fatal assault. Um, he's 22 years old. He was charged in the court with the murder of two men in Sligo town and causing serious harm to a third man. Um, he lives in a local housing estate, Markovich Heights, which is right beside Markovich Park GA grounds, which many of your listeners will be will be familiar with. And he was remanded in custody to appear again before Sligo District Court uh, via video link on the 21st of April. The charge is the murder of Aidan Moffat on the 10th of April last at Cartron Heights in Sligo, uh, murdering Michael Snee at City View Apartments in Connaughton Road in Sligo on the 12th of April, and with recklessly causing serious harm to Anthony Burke on the 9th of April last at Cleaver in Sligo. So, um, three cases all within a couple of days. Uh, Legal aid because he's unemployed and has no income, and that was granted, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. And yeah. also his solicitor, uh, Jerry McGovern, um, asked that the judge directed that he be given all medical assistance necessary uh, because Mr McGovern had asked the court that the accused be put on suicide watch by the prison service and that he be immediately assessed by a psychiatrist. And that was granted, actually, because sometimes that can take some time. And they were very, very strong about that in court, weren't they, saying to the judge, it has to be immediately Immediate, yeah. Mr. Mr. McGovern was very clear on that, and, and that was the case. But it was a very, very quick hearing. And mm. again, mm. in fact, the, the numbers of people 
outside the court had more or less doubled by the time um, Mr. Polanyi had had finished his hearing, um, and there was an even more angry scene outside the court as he was led away to Castlebury Prison. Um, obviously, people were quite emotive and, and, and shouting abuse. Yeah. Was that the case? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it was emotional. The families of the two victims, the two deceased men, were outside the court. Um, there were various representatives groups. There were members of the LGBT community who were displaying pride flags. It was angry. It was emotional. Um, it was a very very tense situation yes. and yeah. um, yeah. I, I mean I, sh- I should I mean there were a couple of hours it's, it's hard for people to comprehend this Neil but there were a couple of hours in the early hours of Wednesday morning when what we were hearing and what we were witnessing on social media and videos was, was quite surreal and you know it wouldn't have been out of place with what you might see in a on a crime channel a USA based uh, crime channel yeah. and this was just after the second body had been discovered in suspicious circumstances again with physical injuries and, and people literally didn't know what was going on they were following it on social media there were videos appearing of um, Gardaí and members of the armed Garda support unit going around various parts of town raiding premises raiding houses and it was it was an absolutely scary and frightening time for people nobody seemed to know what was happening uh, we were asked to impose a media blackout in those early hours um, as Gardaí went about their business um, a couple of hours later, but half one in the morning, Wednesday morning, a young man was arrested yeah. by Gardaí. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and obviously everything changes after charge. And I'm very cognizant with yeah. regards to the brutal killing of Ashling Murphy that originally they, they got the wrong man. So we need to allow the courts take their course in this and the guard investigation. Yeah. But I think in the online world, many people in the community probably know very graphic details of the deaths which we can't talk about, obviously, but they're probably very aware of what happened to Aidan and Michael. Uh, Social media is fine and people share whatever they want, but I'm not in a position to do that. But they must have been shocked and horrified. They were shocked and horrified. And I know some mainstream media have given more graphic details of the the injuries involved. Suffice to say, um, both men, Aidan and Michael, suffered serious physical injuries. And and that's about as far as as we can go. But as you say, Neil, it, it, it will all probably, and you can assume it will come out in, in due course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sligo, well, we, we never hear of these things. Mind you, there's so many counties in Ireland that we never hear of events like this, but we're hearing them all too often now. So, Jip, I imagine it's just a, a very tight-knit community where everybody gets along. It is, and, and, and this is where the story has gone today and indeed went yesterday. I mean, it, it's a bit of a cliche, I need to say, that there's shock and belief, disbelief locally about what happened, but that is the case. And aside from that, when you get over that, the, the overriding concern, I think, in Sligo is the perception by some, and I have to emphasise some, particularly on social media, of, of Sligo being an intolerant or uncaring town and community, which is absolutely not the case. Um, intolerant, what are they fact. saying? Intolerant to all or intolerant to the gay community? Intolerant to the gay community in this case because there, there was a high-profile case many, many years ago, which I'll come to, which, which Sligo was sort of badly affected with. Right. But uh, it, it is absolutely not the case. Um, the, the LGBT community in Sligo and the Northwest is a very, very significant and very active community. They've been involved in many, many campaigns down the years. They're very much out there. They're very visible. Sligo, as was pointed out yesterday by one of our contributors, has had a pride parade for many, many years 
maybe in the years when it wasn't fashionable to do so, uh, had a pride parade before other towns of its size mm. had ones. And we had a former mayor of Sligo on our show yesterday uh, who, who came on specifically to debunk the myth that Sligo was intolerant in any way, which he said was not true. It was damaging what was being said, and the proof was there over many years, including her time as mayor. There I refer to uh, another case, and you, you, you may not remember this, and this was back, uh, as far as I remember, it was 1999. There was a very, very high-profile case in Sligo where a well-known American author called Robert Drake was severely beaten. He'd been over in Sligo uh, writing a novel, and he had met up with two local men and invited him back to his apartment for a drink. And whatever happened, he got um, a, a severe beating. Mm. He was beaten to it within an inch of his life. And the defense of the two Sligo men had been that Mr. Drake had made a sexual advance on one of them. And that prompted the attack. But it was a very, very, very high profile case, which mm. was covered uh, internationally at the time. And they were jailed for eight years at the time, but it was a it was a case which had um, mm. reputational damage to Sligo at the time. No yeah, question about yeah, it. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening on Lee's side is um, I see members of the gay community come out this morning warning people. They say we would always encourage people to have the first meeting with anybody in a public place, such as a bar or a club. Don't meet people who don't put up recent pictures. Don't meet people if they don't have much information on their profile. They can be bogus accounts, so they're saying that they could have ulterior ulterior motives. They're warning members of the gay community be very vigilant, particularly on on dating apps and and what have you. Will Will you be discussing this this morning on your on your morning show? Will you be taking calls from the public and getting their sense of disbelief, anger, or horror? We we, we did that yesterday, Neil, and we spent two hours doing that. As you say, circumstances have changed since the appearance of Mr. Polanyi in court, so we're, we're holding back and we're concentrating today solely on the event in Sligo and indeed right across the country, and I think in, in London as well, as far as I could hear this morning, the, the Pride uh, Vigil, the Sligo Pride Vigil, which takes place at 6 o'clock, yeah. and we're concentrating on that and the message they want to give out and support for the LGBT. Community, which Has it stoked it, it up like any it, anti-immigrant feeling and those that come to live with us from no, overseas? Not, no, not, not uh, again, aside from social media, which everybody will be well aware of, it hasn't. It hasn't, and you wouldn't expect it to, but you'll always have that splurge on social media again. Um, but it hasn't, and we haven't had that experience from any of our listeners on our shows. And the families the of Aidan and, um, and Michael, what, yeah. what do we know about them? They're, they're, they're loved ones. Yeah, Aidan is originally from Lissacol in, in County Roscommon. He's uh, been he's lived in Sligo for a, a number of years. Um, he's involved in the um, real estate agency. Very very popular man. He was deeply involved in politics. Indeed, he was a member of the the Fine Gael party, as Leo Radcliffe referred to uh, yesterday. And he was um, chairman of a, of a local committee. He was deeply involved in campaigns to have um, a number of local candidates. Uh, elected um, but again quiet family uh, from Roscommon Michael again very quiet man very popular man living in City View Apartments on Connaughton Road in Sligo would have been well regarded well liked um, as I said members of, of Michael and Aidan's family were outside the court yesterday uh, some had travelled from Dublin and beyond and it, uh, it, it it was difficult to see them outside the court and the reaction misfortunes mm. yeah okay now thank you for taking the call I know you're getting ready for your 10 o'clock show so I do appreciate you.
taking the time to chat with us. Have a good day. Have a good show. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks now, Delaney from uh, Ocean FM. Our lines are open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And between now and midday today, I will have tickets to give away for Ed Sheeran at Porky Cueve on the Friday night gig. The Friday gig, I should say. Friday the 29th of April. So you're listening out for an Ed Sheeran song sometime between now and midday. Get frantically on the phone when you hear it. 0818-104-106. Tickets for Ed Sheeran for Friday 29th of April at Porky Cueve. Meanwhile, it is a free food. Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool. I'll tell you exactly what you'll be fed a little later on, but 15 of you at least will be fed with starters, main courses and dessert. So text who you are and where you are to 086 8104 And we'll start those shout outs in about 15 minutes time. So text who you are and where you are to 086 106 Because a man is before the courts and has been before the courts and charged. Very much limited now as what can be said about the particular cases out of Sligo. One of the questions at the time, uh, well, in the past 24 hours or so, uh, that's being asked by many people, and nobody's quite clear as to the nationality of the man who has been charged. Some are saying Kurdish, some are saying Turkish, some are saying Syrian. Uh, people are comfortable in the area that it's a one-off, and, uh, and so Ms. Niall Delaney was saying in Sligo, there's no anti-immigrant feeling as such after the incident, but plenty of, of fear within the community. And I was telling you, uh, about um, the rising intolerance of uh, the gay community that's uh, being reported in the Echo, Echo today. I don't know if you as a gay person listening to me have felt that people have become a lot more intolerant to the gay community. I, I, I can't say. I would hope not. I would have thought with all of the hard work that was done that it wouldn't be the case. But I, I did talk, talk uh, uh, with a chap last week who was, uh, you know, sitting at a bar with a buddy of his, and they were literally just sitting down in a bar. One of them got, and not gay at all, one of them got up and went up to the bar to get a drink and was standing there, this character sitting up at the bar, one of the, you know, the, the bar stools, the bar fly, turned around to him and just said, F, you know, the F-A-G-G-O-T or F-A-G-G-O-T word. Um, and he said, what? what? What did you just call me? That kind of stuff. Your man just stared off into space. That kind of carry on. That's the kind of intolerance, I suppose, that members of the gay community could well be talking about. Text 0868104106. But I do recall recently talking about the fact that, you know, with the case of, say, the Lithuanian that came into Ireland, this is Marius Rosinkus. Um, he uh, came into Ireland from Lithuania, having served a sentence in Lithuania uh, for killing his wife. And then we were chatting about this, and I was telling you that it, cost, it could cost north of €80,000 a year to keep a prisoner in an Irish jail. So a man convicted of murdering his wife in Lithuania comes to Ireland after serving a sentence in Lithuania. Uh, I don't know how long that was. It could have been 12 years, I think, something like that. And then he punches and kicks and threatened to kill kill his partner here. Um, and he gets an 18-month suspended sentence. So we were asking the question at the time, are there, are there no checks on convicted murderers coming into our country? Are there no checks on convicted murderers um, you know, coming into any other country? Or is it just the Irish? I mean, um, so even if he got jail here, it would have cost €800,000 at 80 grand a year. And, and some were saying at the time on the air that somebody who's found uh, guilty of a crime like he got a suspended sentence for should be just deported out of the country. And also the fact that nobody with a conviction for murder should ever be left into Ireland in the first place. And we're asking people's thoughts on that. So I just want to dwell on that for a moment. Ron, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. Um, so we're precluded from saying, uh, you know, precluded really from drilling into what happened in Sligo, unfortunately, because of the charge. But just in general terms, your thoughts? Well, in, in general terms, Neil, um, uh, first of all, um, you had on last week or the week before um, of that, that guy that got the suspended sentence. Yeah. And he came, he came into the country, Neil, after spending 15 years. Was it 15? Sorry, country. I thought it was 12. 15. 15 Thank you. 15 Rob. years in, in his own country, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Now, the thing about it was, was this is, number one, like, um, how did he get into this country after spending 15 years in his own country? 15 years in, in jail in his own country. He comes over here, he learned nothing from the jail that he spent, from the time he spent in jail in his own country. Mm. He comes over here, learned nothing, and breaks the law again, you know? And, you know, the, the wrong message is being given out in this country. Viciously, like, viciously broke the law, actually. Absolutely. Viciously, was found guilty viciously, of... yeah, sure. he, could have, he, he could have killed that He could have killed that woman. But the, the thing about it was this. Is, look, uh, the, the, the DPP thought that, that, that the, the sentence, he got a suspended sentence, and that the sentence was too lenient. He went back before the courts again and got another suspended sentence. Oh, what does that tell you? Yeah, you know? yeah. besides, besides that, Neil, look, I tell you, people coming into this country... They're all welcome, of course, if they're coming to work, and if they and if they will be by our laws, right? But there's a lot of people coming into this country, and the statistics will tell you that there's 66 different nationalities in the prisons here in Ireland at the moment, right? right? There's 66 different nationalities in the prisons here in, in Ireland at the moment. Now the thing about it is this is, if they come into this country, they should abide by by our laws, you know. Um, but you could say that about any country, really, and their prisons. Countries the same size and a hell of a lot bitter, b- bigger than ours. I mean, I don't know whether it's fair to compare American prisons, but they're probably full of people from all over the world, too. They're probably full of people from, 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 from all over the world. But look, I tell you, look, we have people that came into this country and they had no intentions of working at all whatsoever. And look, I'm not blind. I'm walking around Patrick Street the other day in the whole island. I can see people. And as far as I'm concerned, they're not, they're not addicts. I know what an addict looks like. Right? They're not addicts. There's, there's organised beggars around the streets of Cork, right? And I, I can tell you this much. Ask me Hall Math and I ask Simon Comey to walk along Patrick Street there and ask him, are they ashamed of what they're looking at? People stuck in doorways there with, with white, white quilts and the whole lot. No, I know all Saw them all last night, actually, night. 7 o'clock, walking across Mary Elms Bridge. There was about six or eight misfortunes. So down on their luck. Not terribly old, I have to say. And they're all drinking cheap vodka and they're drinking yeah, they're cheap beer. Fellas. Listen, listen, I have no bother at all, Neil, with them. No bother at all with these at all. I'm talking about organised criminality. I'm talking about organised begging and organised. And I can tell you this much, I've seen it myself, I'm not a fool, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I can tell you this much. They're not here to work then, is it? They're professional beggars. They're not here to work. But what do you do with someone then like who's found found guilty and gets a suspended sentence? Do you, should they be thrown in jail to cost us a million? Or should no, they be, no, should they no, be no, deported? No, they out the country. But Neil, another instance here, right? Right, another instance here. There was another person caught with over thirty thousand euros worth of drugs, and on national again, and they got a suspended sentence on the condition that they leave the country within so many days. And do you know what they were told? You can return again after ten years. And is that good what enough? What does that tell you? Like, is that good enough? Just get out of the country. Get, get out of the country and come back after 10 years. That's great, isn't it? But you can imagine, like, he'll go home then, he'll go home then, and he'll tell his buddies at home, go over to Ireland, there's chance this pastor going over to Ireland, chance this going over to Ireland, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you'll be sent out of the country, go back again in 10 years' time. That's a very, very bad message to be given out. Like. So is it the case that they should go to jail? 
said, you know what? It's either go to jail or get out for good. Get out for good and that's it. Do you know, don't come back no more. Do you know? But look, I tell you, they're taking all the chances anyway. Because regardless of anything else, look, the prison system here as, as well is, is up in a, a fair heap. Like, so, you know, the, the jails are full? They, they have great conditions inside us. So. Uh, probably better than where they came from. What's you know? great about being in jail? You can't walk out your own so, front but, door. So hold on a second, Neil. Listen, if I need a doctor today, I probably have to wait maybe... Two or three days. If a fellow's in jail, there and he needs a doctor. I tell you, he get one straight away. Well, that is true. I know, but it's di- but you're it's still incarcerated. Know. You're still told where you can go, how long you can go there, and what time you're you can. Listen, Neil, you know. Neil. Some of these guys are up there by night. They do their games and they're playing games and the whole lot. And they, that does them. That's grand. But look, if that's their life, that that's okay too. But the other thing about this, this is Neil. Look, look, this. We're after learning now of so many crimes by people not of this country. I accept that, that and I accept that there are others before the courts. The man who's before the courts in charge with Ashling Mur- Murphy's murder um, Murphy. yeah, that's right, yeah. is, is Slovakian, yeah, yeah. I believe. And you also, listen, Neil, you also have a man that, that look, I don't know whether it is, you know, but he, he's not been mentioned that often. Frankie Dunn, a lovely guy, like, a lovely guy that was inside, inside in town there and, you know, he yeah. met a very, very gruesome death. That's all I say about that because yeah. obviously there's somebody before the courts there as well. But there, there was a, you know, the vicious, vicious, and the other thing about it is need. But Most maybe in a multicultural have, society, we're going to see more of these vicious crimes committed by people who weren't born. Hold on a second. Yeah, I understand that that side of it, Neil. But the thing about it is, this is look, a lot of these guys are transcripted in, in, into the army as when they come out of the school and the whole lot. And I can tell you something, the crimes that they're committing, violent crimes, are the most vicious that I've, I've ever, ever heard. And that's the truth. Because, look, I'm sick No, I know, but in the case of Sligo, I believe this is, um, this is a homophobic uh, a crime, a, a right, crime against, the gay, against members of the gay community. Regardless of what, what it is, Neil, it, it, it's a vicious, you have to be a certain type of person to, to carry out such, such an attack, to carry out such an attack to, to, to that degree. And that's it, like, you know, that's it. And again... Frankie, Frankie Dunn, that poor misfortune guy, you know, yeah. his, his attack was vicious. Oh, yes, know? it certainly it, was. I think McCarthy's heart attack was vicious. Look, it's there in front of you, Neil. It's there in front of you. And it's I, it's I there in front of you because they're from other countries, you're saying? That, that's it. Okay. That's it. Look, okay. I tell you, look, okay. I remember, Neil, if you go back through the years, if you go back in the 80s, and if, if there was an attack, if there was an attack in Cork City back that time, yeah. and there was there wouldn't be an echo. There wouldn't be an echo or an examiner to be, to be bought. Everybody would be, you know, buying the paper to see what happened, who was it, and all. It, it's not even spoken about now. It's very, very little spoken about now. To be honest with it's you, it's become because all too you know commonplace. What? You're saying, yeah, yeah. And of course, Neil, you have another thing as well. Look, you have again people going into nightclubs, there, and they're they're they're, they're spiking people's drinks and and they're 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 jabbing people with needles and stuff like that. That that did not come from Ireland. I can tell you that much. That did not come from Ireland, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and it's. it's I don't, I don't you know? know. I mean, wh- why, how can how can you say that? Like, uh, uh, there are many many well, tablets you know, that people are slipping to other people's Neil, rings, and I'm sure that there are Irish listen, men and women doing it. Hold on a second, Neil. Neil, there was another person before the court. That Actually, to be honest, I, I've never heard of a of a woman spiking a man's drink. I have to say, I mean, no, really, no, you wouldn't hear really. of a woman spiking a man's drink. But uh, what I've what I've heard of was of a girl being taken out of a nightclub and brought up a and sexually assaulted by a non-national again, Neil. Yeah, yeah, but was that before the courts or is that one of those stories you hear? 
yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the ones again that, that that's common before the course. There's okay. a whole lot of them come before the course, okay. and there's also the, the one in Samoy, and there's another one in Mallard. Need, but the, the thing about it is just look, and I leave it go. I leave it go after. You're it. saying in look, all of I'm these cases, they're not people born in this country. They're not people born okay. in this country, and the, the the other thing about it is this, Neil. Right, I'm living in rural Ireland. Right, right. You won't see. Uh, uh, right, the, the, the gas station is closed here, right? You you won't get an ambulance here, and we have old people, we have elderly people here, and I can tell you this much: these people fear, they're, they're fear of of strangers of any sort, and it's only a matter of time before these organised gangs that we call right will come out around the areas as well. Yeah, it won't mightn't happen this year or next year, but it will eventually happen because they, they'll see that. They're, they're easy targets and it's as simple as that All right. Me. ask Michal Merton or ask Simon Coveney or ask Michael McGrath to walk in the wrong part of the street there and justify all these people inside the doorways there with their white sheets and last Saturday Neil right I walked up by St Mary's there was two guys and they having a picnic on the ground they weren't, they weren't non-nationals again they weren't drunk they weren't stoned out their heads or naughty right they were there and they having a picnic and everything and you know what they're doing mm. they just left their shit after them Neil forgive me no for saying it and they just got up and walked away up the road mm. and that's what you're dealing with and I tell you something it's sick to be walking into this town I tell you the truth a place where I love going every weekend in watching the lads busking and stuff like that and you know something it's becoming a bit intolerable now and you're saying it used to be this way yeah yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Jesus right. Christ, man, I tell you something. Listen, you'll enjoy it. I'm going, it's, it's, it's a struggle now. I'm going up the lane, where's there? Up, up, you know, up, up by, uh, you know, up, up the side lanes, where's up, up the par street and stuff like that. You don't know what you're going to come across yeah, up there. Yeah, well, right? I know. It's certainly a change. And, and that's it. And you know what you're saying. Ah, yeah, it's totally you know changed city. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. without well, a doubt. Appreciate it, Ron. Thanks for taking the call. Do appreciate it. I love people's thoughts on what you've had to say. If you want to get involved in the conversation or pick up any of Ron's points, text 0868104106. I want to chat to Philip Horgan next. I hope you can hold on, Philip. It won't be long. Just a quick ad break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Philip, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Neil? I'm fascinated by your story. I really am. So, forgive me if I get any of this wrong. You you went to fly. You were with your son. You went to Shannon. You got to American Customs Clearance, and they uh, fingerprinted you and said you weren't allowed into America. Yep. Okay. What's Correct. the backstory to this? Was it a conviction? Yeah, it was a conviction. What happened is, I was younger. I was 18, 18, 19, just going on 19, and I was walking to an abandoned building. The windows were smashed out of it. The thing was derelict, falling down, and the police came up, and I got. Well, so forgive me. Where was where was this? Was this here? New Jersey. In New Jersey. No, New Jersey. Okay. In okay. America. Okay, you went into an abandoned building that had smashed window. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. It was there's, there's a derelict building. I didn't know that they were going re- redoing it up and everything. Okay. The police came up, arrested me, took me down to the station, into court, got probation. So then my father got worried that I was going to end up in jail. So he decided he's going to take me to here, bring me back here to Ireland. Okay. Like, fine, I violated probation. The violation of probation becomes a felony, which stays forever. It never goes away. A violation of probation never goes away. Okay, and did you have an American passport? No, I'm an Irish citizen. Okay, so your passport when you were young, Flynn, in America was an Irish passport. It was an Irish passport. I was on a green card. Fascinating. Okay, so your dad brought you back home to his home country, Ireland. Yeah, brought me back here to Ireland. And you, that meant you broke probation. And years yeah. later then, what happened? But, uh, it was right after 
myself, my son, and a friend of mine were going over to New York to visit my mother, got up to Shannon, and to the way they, they have it all set up, now you have to be fingerprinted over 9-11. Put my hand up on the thing, and the woman goes, and uh, your green card? I said, yeah, I have my green card. She goes, she goes how long are you out? And I told her I've been back here nine, ten years at the time. I said, the U.S. Card, the U.S. Embassy told me to keep the green card. She goes, oh, okay, you have to come with us. <laughs> Went into a room, the guy goes, you have a conviction. You're, you're wanted for a violation of probation. We can't let you go. Okay, it wasn't okay. a case. It so wasn't then, a case that they wanted to arrest you and send you back to America. No, no, jail. they can't be. There's no extradition in a case like that. It's just, it's not a serious crime. It's not murder, rape. So 30 years later, they still had a record of you. Yeah, that'll never go away. Okay. And there was no talking to them, was there? Did you try and chat to him about it or anything, no? It was a waste of time. He was adamant. Then I went up to the embassy to see if I can get a visa. He says, go to the embassy and see if you can get a visa. Because at the time, it was a 90-day waiver. And I went up to the thing and they said, no, you can't go. I said, okay, fine. Give me back my passport and piss off. (laughs) The way I was with him at the time. Yeah, yeah, you were never going to win that one. You had a conviction no. for a minor yeah. felony, but you got probation for it, um, yeah. and you're, you have to stay in the juris- jur- jurisdiction for the period of the probation. Yeah, okay. yeah. How, and how do you feel about that? I mean, you were, I think your son was with you at the time in Shannon, wasn't he? Yeah, he was only eight, I think, eight at the time. Yeah. How would you explain that one? Small. He knew. After I, when he got home, when he got older, I explained to him, and he understands. Yeah. He didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Does and does it bother you that you can never go back to America? Because this is no, for life. No, no, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I fired my mother and my brothers over there, but I couldn't care less if I go back or not. It's that people think, oh, America's great. It's all oh, well, well, it's not. It's not all cracked up to be. Because my son was born in Florida, and we were living down there. We had a house and everything. You had nine-year-old children walking into school with handguns, and people think, oh, America's great. It's not. Yeah, I know. I know. Gun control's a big problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and drugs, and drugs are a big problem. I don't know whether you watched Dope Sick, which was the OxyContin oh. series there. The whole country of America got destroyed by that. I knew that. I know the, the drug scene over there with the, the cannabis. You see, like here, you have cannabis, you have your heroin, you have everything. You have methamphetamine over there, you have crack cocaine, it's all here now. And if the guards here think they can tackle, tackle the drug problems in this country their way with the ferries. Because why? Well, they never managed to do it in the States. They can't do it in the States. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. They've legalized, a lot of states have legalized cannabis. Yeah, that's they're right. Making, they're, the, government's making, the, the state governments are making a fortune off it on taxes. But, but what, if, what if a family member of yours dies in America? You can't go to a funeral. No. Like if your mum passes away. My brother would have to have her sent over here and I'd just bury her with my father. Or they'd bury her over there. So let this be a warning to people. It's a, you know, it, it seems like a high price. Well, maybe not. If you don't care, it doesn't really matter. But yeah. for, for a minor offense as a young fella, you know? Yeah. Like if somebody here breaks the law, for instance, and gets a criminal conviction, is this a warning to them that this... Yeah, it's a warning have, to them. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a fella I know, I'm not going to name his name or anything... He got done for 10 euros worth of cannabis. He screwed. That's Even for 10? Is that a criminal offense that would keep you out of yeah. the state? 
Yeah, it's a drug. It's a, it's a drug conviction. See, they legalized the states legalized cannabis, but the federal government have not legalized it. It's still illegal in America. Yeah, yeah. So that's a drug offense. You can't go over. There was a singer. I can't think of her name. She sang that song with the puppets. She got stopped from going to America over cannabis conviction. Yeah, I know. I know some of the some of the big bands back in the back in the day. Beatles had problems with uh, with visas yeah. and immigration. I think some members of Maybe Pink Floyd and other big bands like that, Zeppelin, The Who, all yeah. of them had issues with trying to get in and out of countries because of uh, because of uh, convictions for drug yeah. possession or whatever. All right, my yeah. man. Listen, thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate the thing, it. The thing there, the thing there, with your man talking about saying it's all non-nationals, he can't be painting everybody with the same brush. All non-nationals with the same brush. No, I sub- I understand that, and and this this really is it, it, f- it gives fuel to the fire of people who think that. We should yeah. close the borders. They're going to be saying, I told you, I told you, I told you. We're yeah, just yeah, seeing, yeah. but we are seeing a lot more murder, oh, yeah. manslaughter, very serious oh, crime. Yeah. Um, and you had them here in Chile when we came back. You had two women murdered here and they weren't non-nationals. They were two Irishmen from the town. Yeah, yeah. One oh, was a young man and yeah. uh, one was an older man. And they were, they, were Irish, they were Irish. Yeah, but when you hear of somebody that comes into the country... Having yeah, already yeah, yeah. murdered his his wife in Lithuania, served fifteen years for it. How did he get in here? That's what people are asking. They, they they're not checking. They're not doing no background check on him. Like I had to, when I go for doing Santa Claus and boxing and everything. I had to be guarded. Edit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, doesn't seem to work like as efficiently coming into the country though. No, they need to. They need when they go to apply for a visa, they need to do a background check. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. see, like with the European Union. There's no no visas or anything required because it's right to travel, so they can freely travel wherever they want. So that's where another problem comes in. Yeah, but you see how the Americans did it with you. 30 years later, they still had a record of you absconding probation. Yeah. New Zealand, Australia, Canada, America, if you've got convictions of any type, you're not getting it. So you can't go to any of those other countries as well? No. Okay. I can't go to none of them countries okay. either. All right. Let me get some text on the air. Thanks for the call. You're referencing um, uh, a case that happened down down in Tralee, and you are right. It was an Irishman who was jailed for that one. Uh, by text, my apologies. If Peter is in a position to chat after 10, that would be fantastic because I'm out of time for now. Just one or two texts, though. I absolutely 100% agree. Nobody with a criminal record should be allowed into this country. Why aren't background checks being done? If there is an offence, deport them straight back to where they came from. Oh, wait. We have pure Egypts running our local country so we're all screwed so you do a crime and serve your time and are still treated like a criminal when you're released lots of righteous people making comments like that makes no sense to me i know what you're saying that somebody who has served 15 years in lithuania for murdering his wife is no is not guilty of anything anymore having served their 15 years i understand that as well think about pick it up after 10 text 0868104106 i'm rory and i'm valerie and you can join us for the very best in local national and international sport every weekend on the big red bench that's the big red bench every saturday and sunday from six on cork's red fm and at some stage this morning between now and uh, midday I'll play an Ed Sheeran song and we'll be playing them right across the Easter weekend with ticket giveaways right across the weekend so sometime between now and midday an Ed Sheeran song for tickets for the Friday 29th of April gig at Parky Cueve so listen out for that great news the first cruise ship of the season arrives into Cork and into the Port of Cove today it's the Borealis it's the first of many many I don't know what the exact figure is it's something like 
80, perhaps even 90 cruise ships between now and the end of the summer. I love talking about summer, don't you? And I'll talk with uh, Megan uh, Virgo a little later this morning, who's the uh, Irish Daily Mail's travel correspondent as to what's shaking at home and overseas. But the Borealis comes in today, um, and if full, and if full, it will have 1,360 passengers and 662 crew. It's a big one. It's a big one. Okay, uh, Free Food Friday as well today, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool. So what will you win? Well, you'll get uh, starters, chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers. Then the mains are chicken wraps, chicken pittas and beef burgers. And uh, the Piri Piri sauce, the Piri salted fries, rice, waffle fries, Piri mayo, everything that you need and including the uh, ability to do, make your own dessert you'll build your own cheesecake with lots of different toppings so that's courtesy of ourselves and roosterspiriperi.com uh, check them out this weekend either online Douglas and Blackpool so the first bunch of shout outs morning to all the Kilsarin quarries and ovens who are listening to Zoo Cars and Little Island morning Dennis Twilight News Patrick Street Paul Street and the bus station always listening uh, Transport Company in Ballyvalan good morning to Rob and the Hungry Lads Guys and Dolls on the South Main Street Tivoli Port a Fitting Camp Cameras. Uh, morning, Tony. Uh, St. Joseph's night staff. Uh, still haven't gotten to sleep because of you, Neil. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Your obsession means that you should deserve to be fed. Thank you for that. Um, everybody at Emma's Nails and Vicky Lynch's Polished and na- Lashes. Lashes by Ashling. I think that's a couple of different companies who'll share and they'll also share with the lads next door at D&D Detailing. So happy Friday to all of you guys. Got a guy services in Blarney. Morning John. Uh, John Patrick and all of the hardworking crew. To the gardening services of Oliver Hayes in Bandon. To Horgan's Garage in Kerry Pike. To O'Donovan's Pharmacy in Bellafihan. Morning to uh, the Roger team at Blackpool Altogether. And a lovely text here saying, any chance that you might arrange some roosters for a fantastic group of ladies who helped us to hold a brilliant Daffodil Day coffee morning in memory of our friend Mary Sheehan who passed away in November. Beautiful person. Every year she dressed as a human daffodil and collected on the streets of Carrick Tool. We did her proud in the days just gone and collected €5,000 in the village of Carrick Tool on March 25th in our memory. Good morning to the Puffin Ward at CUH and Sugar Dolls Nail Bar in Wilton and Bridgewater Homes in Rathcormack. So keep those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106 and we'll do some more shout-outs in about half an hour's time. Back to the phone lines we go. Peter, good morning. Hello, Neil. How's it going? I'm good. Now, Ron had some interesting observations with regards to uh, Ireland and those that live here and the crime that's committed here. You wanted to pick up on one or two points because you came to Ireland from Albania. Sorry? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Peter, can you hear me all right? Uh, Sorry, Neil. One second. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Neil. Sorry, yeah. I, I, I work at the moment. Uh, okay, is this a good time for you? Uh, kind of bad, but I must be quick. Okay, go. Please be I, quick then while I have your attention. Go okay. ahead. Yeah, I agree. I I agree with American cowboys. You know, uh, they cannot brush us all with tar. You know, I uh, come here to Ireland to work, to start business, and party, and find the big Irish mama. <laughs> have a good day, man. Mind yourself. <laughs> I'll have whatever you're having. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, that's um, Peter 
who's down Kilaway, uh, came here from Albania with his brother, uh, both plasterers and labourers and wanted to start a business here uh, and uh, seems to be enjoying his time. Uh, and why not? Um, a lot of different texts then. Meanwhile, uh, nobody with a criminal record should be allowed into this country. Anyone can come here without being vetted. An Irish person getting a job in their own country has to be guard vetted. Yet murderers can walk into the country with no vetting at all. It's a joke. The justice system needs to be looked at seriously. Morning, there's a reason why you have to apply for a visa to get into America. It's so that they can do security checks on you. If you have a criminal record, you don't get into America. We are a soft-touch country. Uh, there should be checks, and anyone with a criminal record should not be allowed into the country full stop. Same as America, same as Australia. Our justice system is a joke. And letting criminals into this country is just putting us all at risk. Uh, anyone who was not born in Ireland should be deported if they break Irish laws. Uh, this is just a selection of texts. Any dog or devil is being left into Ireland as part of the Cade Mila Falcha government, and they've been doing it for years. No check whatsoever, and it's costing Irish taxpayers billions to keep them in luxurious prisons. Um, that's an interesting description of a prison, isn't it? Luxurious. We are part of the EU. We have open borders. You can't stop people once they've served their time. Yeah, that's an interesting take on that. If you've served your time, you are guilty of no crime, for you've already served the time. But, some might say, if you're capable of murder, not manslaughter now, murder, which would be premeditated perhaps and planned, and you do it once, the worry is that you just might do it again. Uh, Jenny, good morning. Good morning. Um, thanks for holding. I appreciate it. You wanted to just pick up on our conversation this morning and, and add into the conversation Claire's Law. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, what's Claire's Law? So, Claire's Law is basically a, uh, a law in the UK that protects uh, domestic violence victims. And um, you basically, it was brought in about, I think, eight years ago. A young lady got murdered uh, by her ex partner, was um, killed. Put, uh, set on fire and there was a lot of help that they tried to get to protect her beforehand but there was nothing in place so her dad who was an ex-prison officer obviously managed to get this law put in You're dead right yeah you're right that was Michael Brown Claire's father Um, they discovered that her killer um, had a violent past yeah yeah, yeah, he strangled and her. He set her body on fire, took his own life. But he had previous convictions for her previous harassment, threats, kidnapping at knife point of one of his other ex-girlfriends. Wasn't that the case? Yeah, 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 yeah completely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Claire's law so, would allow people to do what? Ask questions about partners, is it? Yeah, so I actually um, had to do this for a friend of mine um, over in England. I was a police officer in England for mm. 15 years. So mm. this was something that was implemented every day. Um, and it was it was as simple as she was she met somebody on Tinder, started dating him. He became quite controlling, quite abusive. He was turning up. She had young kids. She was effectively quite vulnerable as well. Um, and it got it obviously got quite out of hand. He was getting quite aggressive. So we mentioned to her about doing Claire's law, but she didn't want to. She was too scared in case he'd find out, which they won't find out yeah. unless she tells him. So as a friend, relative, you know you know, family member, you can go to the police, you give them the details, they literally just need a phone number, date of birth or whatever, not even that, just enough details that they can check them out. And then you go away. Now, it can take up to about 35 days for the information to be brought back. And it's a case of you have the right to know or you have the right to ask. That's how Claire's Law works. So the right to ask is 
anybody can ask on your behalf and you can for information about a person that could pose as a potential risk to, to this girl. And then you've obviously got the right to know, which is intelligence based, where obviously if the police get intelligence that, you know, somebody's dating somebody and they are going to be at risk, they will contact that person directly. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if... Well, if the police hear of information about a fella that, or a girl for that matter, as it can happen, both sexes, that they think might be at risk, they've heard that yeah. someone's dating someone, they could go to that person and tell them they could be at risk. Yep, that's, and that's intelligence-based. So, like, if, you know, if there's enough information coming through where you kind of have, like, well, this is what Claire's Law is based on, um, if, if they do know that this person is a huge risk to this lady or male, it's obviously male and females, that could cause, obviously, injury to her or her children, then, yeah, they, if they feel the threat is that high, they would actually come forward and indirectly contact her yeah. and let her know. Now, obviously, in, in the case of my friend, um, he actually, the letter came back, I think it was within 20 days, and it said that, actually, he's got no history at all. Um, so we actually couldn't do anything else other than protect her. Um, ourselves, so like we kind of set up a kind of a cocoon thing, which they do for domestic violence page, uh, uh, victims. But it, it, it's a case of Claire's law. I know here in Ireland, the justice minister kind of deemed it not necessary uh, there about two years ago, I think. But if it that would have been uh, Charlie Flanagan, wouldn't it? Because he was being asked to introduce similar legislation. Yeah, they trialed it and felt it wasn't necessary. Now, having worked with it and seen actually that. It does help. It does protect people because now, you know, you're, the only way to meet people is online. You don't know who they are. You don't know where they've come from. And, you know, like you just said there, people can come over to Ireland quite freely. And it used to happen at work. You know, we'd be told somebody's on the run. They're potentially in West Cork. That's, that's, that was the way it, it, we were told. And that's in the UK. So God only knows where it is from other countries. Oh, so when you were a serving police officer, you would hear that, that, they, that the police would be looking oh, yeah. for people and they would be known to be on the run. Yeah, and yeah. they would be in West Cork. That was the intelligence. Go yes, away, really? Whatever part yeah, of yeah, yeah, I understand. But like, if somebody comes into the country and somebody checks them out, the guards mightn't even know. So Lithuanian came in and clearly yeah. wasn't wasn't stopped in any border. So it's not foolproof. No, it isn't. The Clarence Law isn't foolproof because obviously it, it's to the one country itself, so it's not going to tell you. But as as the country saw with this law, that even if it helped one person. If it, pre- if it prevented one death, yeah. which it does, that would be enough. Isn't it open to abuse, though? It sounds quite vague to me in the sense that I could check up on you, you could check up on me, we're not dating. How would the guards, the police know that no, it was actually somebody through, in a relationship? They go through a filter system, and if they don't feel that there's an adequate evidence for you to actually check it up, because then it could be abused. Yeah. So there is a system and there is criteria that needs to be met before you can do it. Now, obviously, if you go in, you want to check up on me, and then, obviously, they go off, they do their checks. If, obviously, they feel like they'll look at all their systems, and if there's, obviously, some sort of to and fro where they've seen people are making malicious allegations yeah, on the system. or snooping. Comes up. Yeah, correct. And, you know, people, like, obviously, they, they will know. So it, it is one of those cases where they, if you don't meet the criteria, then they will say, sorry, no, we can't help you. But then this is where it comes into play. They do find that, actually, the person that has been mentioned does pose a huge threat, then that's the people then take it upon themselves to contact the, the domestic violence. I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a shame, actually, that Charlie Flanagan did deem it to be unnecessary, you know, because everything helps, doesn't it? 
Well, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I do, actually. And especially and I, something like this. Yeah, can I just ask you personally, did you enjoy your time in the British police force? I loved it. <laughs> I did, actually, yeah, I did. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was. And just from the base of, you know, kind of when they always say, don't they, you only get one call from a domestic abuse victim. They will only ever make one call when it's a critical case. If you miss that call, if you turn up at the house and you fail to see what's going on, you, they'll never call again. But to be able to go into houses, you know, or just like you'd leave house after there was a call come through and you'd kind of hide, wait a couple of minutes because generally then the argument would start again and you'd be able to catch them in the act. Like the amount of things that you can do to help people and protect people was, was just, it was amazing. Isn't that incredibly clever coppering though at the same, same time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. But it's you just you just know you can tell by somebody's eyes. You can tell how somebody looks at you. You know, children, ex- well, more so children. If you walk into a house where there's stuff going on, the children's eyes can just tell it all. It's it's amazing. You're no longer involved in the police force, no? No, 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 no. I I left the police three four years ago. Mm. And- Ireland last year. Mm, okay, okay. And yeah. one of the big areas now, of course, of worry is is online dating, isn't it? You know, because you it's, you know, it honestly, really is the wild west. It, it actually is because I, you know, I've been single five years. I'm you know single mum, and um, and it's a nightmare because when I when I look on Tinder, I literally look at them like I'm looking at the most wanted list at work, and I'm like, yep, yeah, drug dealer, yep, yeah, blah blah blah. So it's a nightmare. And then obviously when I was in the UK, I'd arrested most of them on. Dating app, so I couldn't even go on dates. Ah, stop! Are you serious? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One guy was actually in prison on the dating app, and I knew he was in prison, and he was actually on live on the dating app. But those that weren't in prison, that were out, you were seeing their mug shots, and they were criminals. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. Which yeah, means that like the, was, people could be dating very dangerous people. Yeah, and even like a police officer, like if I hadn't seen those faces. And I did go on a date with somebody. I don't know who I meet. You don't know who you're meeting. You so what's the advice then? What is the advice you would give? The advice is, and well, kind of from my perspective, I literally do every single type of check, Googling, social media checking, everything like that. But most importantly, you have to tell somebody where you're going. Like I, I tell my friends if I'm going, I don't really do the dates, but now, but if, if I do, I tell them where I'm going. I literally have my phone on me. If I don't feel right, if I don't feel safe, then I end up just like walking away. But you have to, you have to, you have to trust your gut. And when you do get talking to somebody, generally eight times out of ten, if you've been challenging them for a couple of weeks, they will start to show their true colours within a few weeks. They always do. But if you chat to somebody and then go meet them tomorrow, you're not going to know who they are. Yeah. You're not going to know anything about them. Yeah. Give it time. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. And it's harder now because people... You know, you, you can't meet somebody. Like, it doesn't happen. You don't meet somebody in the shop or anything like that. You know, it's very easy for somebody to put a profile on because you do get the catfishing as well. They put a picture on, but they actually aren't who they want to be. Um, so you really don't know who you are. You know, you d- never go to somebody's house. Never get in the car with them, you know, if they're offering to pick you up or meet you somewhere. Like, you just don't do it. You have to protect yourself. Fantastic words of advice. Pleasure talking to you, Jenny McCarthy. Thanks for taking the call. All the best. Have a great long weekend. All right, cheers. Take care. Thank you.
Text 0868104106. Just a few texts ahead of that. I'll come back to it a little later on, I promise you that. I totally agree with uh, your text this morning. Ireland is too soft. Checks should be done on everyone coming into the country. If I was to emigrate to Australia, USA or Canada, one question on the form is, do you have a criminal record? But we can't even ask that of people wanting to move here. No wonder they think we are a soft touch. Somebody wants the death penalty, a life for a life. I came to reside in Ireland 18 years ago with my husband. I don't remember anyone asking or checking on me. So maybe it's a bit too relaxed to come and live here with no checks on personal history. I must state I have never committed a criminal act ever in my life. Also because the world has become far smaller angrier place, it might be worth undertaking tighter national security for our country. There are reams and reams of these. I will come back to them a little later on. But want to chat a little bit about holidays after the break. Holidays at home, holidays abroad, issues with passports, chaos at Dublin Airport, whatever you're having yourself after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Corks Red FM. And it's a free folk Friday, so make sure you text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We've got lots of food from Roosters Piri Piri, so text who you are and where you are, and I'll do the next shout out in about 15 minutes' time. It's great to have people back in the studio because it was well over two years when it was just me and nobody else and talking to people on phone, so it's great. And that's fine too, but it's great to have people physically in the studio. Mer- Megan Virgo's in studio, she's a travel writer with the Irish Daily Mail, based in Dublin, but we claim you as Cork, so welcome home. Oh, for- it's always good to be back in Cork. <laughs> home always. to see the family. <laughs> yeah, any excuse, right. any excuse. You didn't fly down, though, because it's so bloody chaotic at Dublin Airport. I did not. I was avoiding the airport. What's going on up there? <laughs> I mean, they're talking about 300,000 people out of Dublin Airport this weekend, and no, not enough staff, is it? Yeah, so basically, the inbound and outbound traffic from Dublin Airport is probably going to reach half a million this weekend, which is huge. And it's amazing, because if you think think about the past two years I mean Irish airports have been hammered by the pandemic and they laid off a lot of staff didn't they yeah they have they have so right now it should be a time where people are looking forward to travel again everything's up and running and I think they're very it's a very stressful situation at the moment at Dublin Airport. And they're trying to train staff, aren't they? Six or seven hundred of yes. them. But Owen Corrie was saying it'll take weeks to train them. That's the thing. And when you look back to, if you look back to a few months ago, obviously international travel was back on the radar. So they knew this. So you would be wondering why did they not plan ahead? And why are we in this situation now? Because I don't know about you, Neil, but certainly sometimes when I go to the airport, I can be a bit anxious. <laughs> it can be stressful. You and me so both. Can you imagine having to queue, especially with kids as well, or if you have someone with a disability, to have to queue 20 minutes outside? Now, that's so they're queuing outside the building now. Yeah, so and it's been compounded week. as well by people arriving too early because they're panicked. So this is the thing is if you look at communications between the DA and airlines earlier this week, I saw on Twitter that Dublin Airport said arrive, you know, up to three and a half hours in advance. And then Ryanair, on the other hand, they were saying two and a half hours is plenty of time. Do not arrive before that. So I think to, you know, the customer, the consumer traveling, that can be you know that can be confusing it's mixed messaging so you're kind of wondering what will you do and then some people panic and they arrive four hours ahead of schedule and then that's adding to the backlog of traffic that's going through the airport yeah and how long is this going to continue I mean this is April like is is they going to resolve it 
by the end of May. Sometime. So they're in the process of hiring at the moment and I think what they've done now as well is, you know, especially the issues with security screening. So they do have staff on overtime, they've paid them better wages. So, you know, that's a great short-term solution, but what about the long-term solution? And I guess I would just be concerned as well that we did have a very difficult two years for international travel that this should be a triumphant time yeah, for yeah, the DA and, and its airports. Yeah. You know, if you look at Cork Airport now, they've 60,000 passengers coming through this, this weekend. So and you're making a great. very strong point there. You're saying they should have been prepared. They should have anticipated this. Is this traditionally a very busy weekend? I know midterm started Monday, so a lot of people legged yeah, it earlier in the yeah. week. But is this the time yeah, now? traditionally, like if you look back at 2019, you know, that was... So, for example, I think Dublin Airport took th- took maybe around 32 million passengers in and out. And if you look at, for example, as well, Heathrow Airport, they made the news yesterday as to Dublin Airport. They take around 80 million passengers, let's say pre-pandemic. And Heathrow was voted, um, there was a passenger survey about, you know, stressful airports. And Heathrow came out on top, but unfortunately, Dublin Airport came out seconds. Is it any wonder what's going on? That yeah, they yeah, yeah, so... But Cork Airport then is just a pleasure. I mean, it's just you wonderful. Can't be Cork, I mean, I know it's I know it's smaller <laughs> and we don't have as many destinations. Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing sometimes, you know? Yeah. Now, the thing is, though, with Dublin Airport is, you know, you can imagine they are, they're up to 90 at the moment. They're working tremendously hard. The staff there, they're doing the, their best. They're trying to do what they can. But this can happen again. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't happen again. Yeah, yeah. People are spending a lot of money to travel abroad. They are excited to travel. And what should be a great experience isn't. It's not off to a great start. Yeah. And of course, we've had months and months and months of passport issues with the passport yeah. offices closed and what have you. Yeah. Huge delays. The online service saying it will take 30, 35 mm-hmm. days, which was actually nonsense. It was months, three months, six yeah. months. This program was full of people who couldn't get a passport renewal or a new one for a child. So, like, you know, you would think that a lot of that would be anticipated, wouldn't you? You would, especially because people haven't been traveling the past two years. So, obviously, there's going to be pent up demand for passports. Now, I know recently, I think the 35 days now has gone down to 30 days for a new passport. But in reality, it was never 35 days. I know, I know. They may say that, but it's months. Yeah, I think what they're saying is they're saying the application only starts when you get the right documentation. So if there's an issue with the documentation, technically the application process doesn't start. Yeah, but the people were saying saying to me, there was no problem with the documentation. They said there was, but there wasn't. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's just another example of the perfect storm. No, it is. And I mean, if you were paying two and a half grand, if you have a holiday coming up in the next three months and you don't have your passport, what are you going to do? And I know now they have come out and they said, look, they're due to process. I think it's 1.4 million applications this year. I think in February they had 153,000 applications processed. So they are, they've hired more staff. They have. They're, yeah. You know, they are trying, and so is Dublin Airport. They're trying to remedy the situation now, but... I just think plan ahead. They put you know, loads of people on pop, and then those people on pop decided, "Oh, fuck this! I'm not going back." 
And they laid off other staff mm-hmm. and never anticipated the result. Like, I, I know. I what, know. About, what about value, though? Because we were just doing a little look ourselves with regards to, you know, the type of value you could get overseas, say this weekend or, you know, maybe in the Maybank holiday or across the summer, comparing mm-hmm. like with like. Like we came up, say, for instance, with uh, an example of, um, here's a good one, uh, Tormelinos, Costa del Sol, four-star hotel with breakfast and return flights. Um, 2700 for a family of four. But you wouldn't be paying far off that for a week in an Irish hotel. So why would you stay in an Irish hotel if you can get flights, accommodation for four people at a sunshine destination, guaranteed sun, sea and sand? Yeah, you're right. But traditionally speaking, when you holiday in Ireland, you wouldn't be booking into a hotel for seven nights. And when you do go to Mediterranean countries, for example, Spain, you want to go there to get the sun. If you're coming to Ireland, it's hit or miss whether you're going to get the sunshine. Yeah, yeah. It's a very different type of holiday. And absolutely, you can get great value, you know, in the likes of Spain, um, Turkey, Greece. But it is relative to the country that you're holidaying in. So if you do go to, let's say, Greece, if you go to Mykonos, you are going to be paying extortionate costs for a hotel there. Whereas if you go to Halkidiki, that's going to be much cheaper Similarly, Halkidiki is um, Greece? In, yeah, it's the northern region of Greece. Like you can head there for four nights, 200 euro, including flights and accommodation. What? Yeah. With flights? With Sunway holidays, yeah, with flights. Right as now, well. this isn't kind of like a, something that they announce and there's only five seats on the plane. This is, you this can do is this right now. now. Yes, I get those deals through every week. And it's, you know, it's brilliant to see that value added and. You know, I think I think the last two years has really shown us a great appreciation for holidaying in Ireland. I think it's attracted fantastic domestic holiday but makers. Who, but who do it though? Uh, the Maldron for, and this is in Cork, for mm-hmm. six nights um, right now. Yeah. Uh, 1,252 euro. Uh, Jury's in 1,272 euro. Ross Carberry, 1,444 um, Maribor, this mm. is 2000. You move to Kerry, the Ross Hotel in Kerry, 1870. You go from there over to, say, for instance, uh, Galway. You're looking at uh, 1,798 for the Clayton mm. or 3,000 for juries. Mm. I mean, this is for six nights for two adults and two children. It's it is, and those prices, they are high, but you have to look at why the prices are that high. But even if it was 200 a night for six nights, that should be 1,200, not yeah. 2,000. But it comes back to the operational costs that hotels have to anticipate here and they have to take into account. So if you were doing business in the likes of Spain, that's a lot. it's a lot cheaper to do business in Spain than it is Ireland. And right now as well, we have to deal with inflation. We have energy costs, fuel prices, food. So high, like holiday makers are actually, you know, they are being warned that the price of everything is going up. Yeah, but it will be the same in Ben Al Medina. But right now, this doesn't include flights. Mm. Uh, a family of two adults and two children could go to Ben Al Medina and the Costa del Sol for six nights, including breakfast and evening meal, for €964 Euro for the lot of them. <laughs> but I bet you, you could find another hotel that would be two or three times the price of that there. It depends where you're looking. It depends on the star of the hotel. You know, that's something to take into consideration yeah, yeah. as well. Like, you can head to the Algarve. Oh, it could be a kip. I don't know. Yeah, it may but, well be. But yeah. you could head to the Algarve um, in Portugal in May for seven nights, including flights and accommodation, for €269 Euro per person. For how long? 
seven nights staying in a three-star self-catered But what you have to put on the flights? No, that includes flights. Ah, With Sunway Holidays. Where are you getting yes. these deals? Is it Sunway all? Sunway Holidays. 200 yeah. for a week, hotel and flights. Yeah. Out of Cork. What? But then, but then you like you have to take into consideration as well. I thought I was doing good with the weekend at Thessaloniki <laughs> in your Haldiki Kikiki four star hotel. Haldiki. Okay, eight hundred and seventy two adults and yeah. two children. I mean, that's incredible. The bargains you seem to come up with. Yeah. I never see those. I, I'm a bargain hunter, I am. But, you know, I don't... I think it's so important as well to support our hospitality industry here. Not if it's fucking ripping you off, though. But you have to think about... The, and I know, I know the consumer does not want to hear this, but there's insurance costs, there's staffing issues, there's... Like, for example, the VAT rate now is... It's currently 9%. It's due to go back up again in September. So they have to deal with that as well. Yeah, but they put there's the so prices up at pinch points. I mean, I bet you if I checked the edge here in hotel prices, it would scare the life out of me. Oh, it would. It'd scare the life out of me. Too. Yeah, and, and that's kind of intentional. Yeah. We, did, we did some work there recently. You just might be interested because a buddy of mine said mm. uh, that he recently checked... Um, uh, price for car rental in Portugal for nine days, 140 euro for the nine days rental in Portugal. So we decided to work out how much would it cost to rent a car, a car in Cork for 24 hours. Uh, Europe car, um, 757 euro Stop. for 24 hours. Yeah. Um, carhire.com, um, 594 euro for 24 hours for a Ford Focus. Um, da, 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 what else I have? Six, do you know, S-I-X-T. Mm. Pick up, um, pick up a Volkswagen T-Cross at, at Cork Airport, 743 euros for like, 24 hours. That's, that's not realistic to, to, that's not a realis, realistic cost to anyone. And the you craziness of it that. was then, others then were somewhat more reasonable, but mm-hmm. still expensive. Hertz were 126 euro and Avis were, um, for Nis- Nissan Juke, 94 euro. But it's still only for a 24 hour period. That's baffling. I was in Sri Lanka in January and I had a driver for 15 days and the cost of that was 600 euro. <laughs> That's with the driver? With the is driver. Is it because wages are a lot cheaper, insurance is a lot cheaper, people are paid less, is it? Oh, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying is these factors come into play. <sighs> yeah, but you know, you'd love to support local, but. You, it, it's the prices mm. that you're paying, you know. It's mm. uh, whether it's the car hire, and you wonder when pe- when people come into this country, do they expect it to be expensive? You know, a tourist say, do they know in advance? You would hope in advance that they do their research. I mean, anyone that's wh- whatever country you travel to, it's very important that you do your research in advance to the country that you're traveling to. So, if you're coming to Ireland, absolutely, you know, you would be looking at what's the average cost per hotel, depending on what county you're in. You're in. So that is really important to do your research. So you know when you see the price of a pint at ten, nearly 10 euro in Temple Bar, tourists pay that, do they? They do, yeah. Why do they pay it? Because they think, oh, sure, it's the but same in New locals. York or it's the same in Berlin. Yeah. yeah. But for example, if we were to go to New York, you know, we don't live in New York. We don't know that area particularly well. So we would probably go to tourist-led bars and restaurants and we would probably we be would probably off. pay it. Yeah, yeah we yeah. would. You know, because we don't know any better. It's and this is why you know when you go abroad, if you can get to know locals too, that they they have a wealth of knowledge that they can share with you. And you, for example, my driver in Sri Lanka, um, Prasanna, he was amazing. He, you know, he was a much more than a driver. He was 
very he was an amazing tourist guide I, I couldn't say enough good things so, about him but he knew all the tricks of the trade absolutely and you can do a walking tour you can do yeah. a tour on a coach or you can do you can do tours on bikes my son's going to Berlin now very soon and they're doing a cycling tour yeah. on bikes so you must see the world as a travel writer then do you well, the last few years, I know, you know, it, it's been a bit. It's been a bit difficult, actually. I remember the first six months, all I could write about were walks within your two k, five k radius. And I was thinking about this the other day, and I was like, "How did I write about that for so long?" Because I couldn't be seen to promote, you know, the hospitality industry or international know, travel because it wasn't day. deemed safe. But you're back now to, um, you know, boarding planes and seeing fantastic sun destinations all over the world. Hopefully, that yeah. is the plan. Yeah. So any other little tips or nuggets like the one or two you gave me from Sunway? <laughs> People might be planning something in May or June or July. I think definitely, you know, shop around. And if you can go, if you can go straight to the hotel to book, do that. Because sometimes there's hidden costs. Like it might say, oh, price from, you know, 200 per person. But there's added costs then at the end. So just be aware of those. Always read the fine You're print. You're not a fan of booking engines then, no? No. Oh, you I'm prefer not. call direct? I, I think there's a lot to be said for calling someone up, explaining what you want. They have the best deals. Like usually a third party vendor would get a percentage yes you know yeah. that that that's just the way yeah, it is. some people get the price online they call the hotel and ask them to match yeah. it or better or throw in breakfast or something like that and even we would do that here you know if we see something online we might ring the hotel and say you know what i saw this there through booking.com can you add in this yeah i know okay okay i mean there's not the worst that someone can say to you is no no yeah so what destinations are hot and not i would say definitely um portugal italy greece i think everyone has greece on the the travel agenda this yeah. year. So no one new because they're very traditional. We know of the Portugals, the Spains, the Italy's, well, the Greece. It's interesting that you say that because people do have pan- pandemic savings. So I think a lot of people as well want to travel outside of Europe. So for example, the Maldives, Mauritius, South Africa, and um, Thailand, Dubai. Those destinations are quite popular. But they're slightly dearer. But people have the savings. You're they saying. are. Yeah. yeah they and are. Sri Lanka. It, was that was that worth a punt to you? Did you enjoy that? Oh, it was amazing. I, you know, I wish I had longer there. It was just, I think it's a destination for everyone and anyone because sometimes, you know, people ask me, I've been to the Maldives before and it was incredible. It really was. It's exactly like what you see on a travel brochure. But the thing is, is if you get itchy feet, you know, where you like to be kept busy, I would say no more than five days. And Sri Lanka is only an hour and a half away. Actually, it's under an hour and a half from the Maldives. So if you were going there, for example, as a bucket list travel destination or a honeymoon I would incorporate Sri Lanka into the travel agenda because or the travel itinerary because there's so much to do there you can go hiking you can hang out on beaches you can visit temples the food is exceptional and the people are so lovely would you go stir crazy on a cruise I wonder I, Are they too full of people? I haven't been on a cruise, but I have a few friends that have been on cruises recently and especially over the past few years and they have loved them. If you're and lucky enough to pick the right one, I suppose. That's it. But you, know, you could say that about anything. You could even say that about a holiday destination. You know, it, it just depends where, you know, what country you're going to 
that that all comes into play but I would be open to trying a cruise I would love to Okay and anyway just on the topic of cruises I think up to 80 maybe 90 cruise ships come into your own home port across the summer great to have them the first one comes in today that's the Borealis brilliant. which is great news yeah full oh, of I'd tourists with loads of money to spend in the city and Blarney and Killarney and that and is what things. we need that is what we need uh, <laughs> listen Megan I'm delighted that you got an opportunity to pop in welcome home for the weekend thank um, you. and hi to all your family look after yourself I will thanks for having me you're the greatest take care that's Megan Virgo travel writer with the Irish Daily Mail text 0868104106 I think it's just great to be talking about sunshine destinations and holidays back after the break call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818 104 ah, yeah. Red FM you're spoiled for choice we have Roosters Piri Piri shout outs now in about five minutes time on top of that of course we have Ed Sheeran tickets just before midday and if that was not enough for you we have Sunday Carvery lunch for four people Two course plus tea or coffee. It's a fabulous prize, and you could well win it between now and midday, courtesy of the Oriel House Hotel in Ballancolly. I love a good carvery. I just do. I just do. Sunday, particularly Sunday carvery lunch for four of you, courtesy of yourselves and the Oriel House. So make sure you stay listening. I'll be opening those phone lines just before midday for that as well. Oriel House Hotel, ready to welcome you to Easter Sunday lunch at the Oriel Bar and Bistro, and you should be there yourself and you might be there for free if you win that prize just before midday today. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Declan, good morning. How are you, Neil? How are you? Good. Now, you're a Carlo man living the dream in Cork, they say, is it? Well, I'm not glad. That's my goal is to live the dream down there. I'm kind of in process of hoping to move down there soon enough. Okay. Okay. So you're not here yet. I'm not here now. I have spent a lot of time down there doing a bit of work and doing a bit of research. All right. And why do you want to come down and join us? Oh, sure. It's not one of the nicest parts of the country, I suppose, isn't it? So you can't well, well, we, d- well we think that. We think that. We think that. Um, when's, what's the plan then? You want to live um, plan- financially free, is it? Yeah, well, that's the goal anyway. Look, look, with the price of everything at the minute, like our rent is where I'm living is even shocking for our area. Like, like me and my partner, we both we're both self employed, like we both work. And even just to afford like just rent, with two young kids, like it's a lot of the time like we're, we're scraping by most of the time. But like yeah. the idea is to kind of build like a self self build an ecological home, like somewhere down in that direction. Like even if it was come to like a community building. A like self built ecologically friendly home. Would that be a yeah. home made out of wood? It, it could be, or the, the idea I'm more inclined to work now is Cobb. Now, I know a place down there called the Hollies in Enniskeen, where they do courses on how to build Cobb homes. What's a so Cobb home? So a Cobb home is essentially a house made of like mud, straw and sand, or sand all mixed up together. Mud, straw and, and sand base. turned into bricks, yeah, is it? No, it's basically, you basically you build it up from a foundation level, like you build it up by hand. Normally it's done on a community level, like I've seen videos and stuff like that where people come together and they build this hand, home by hand. A mud and straw so house, like, you're telling me, Declan. Yeah, so they're very, they're very traditional in Cornwall, like they're actually okay. very traditional. Are, they warm, are well. they warm? Like would they stand up to a storm? They're extremely that? warm, they're, they're extremely warm. You'd build the walls probably like a foot, a foot and a half thick. And they're terminal, like they are terminally great. Like so, I've looked into planning permission. All this, like they do comply with all the regulations. Right? Would they? Would they like smell? That, so. No. 
No, not necessarily. It's plastered or mastered. Like, so you'd have like a kind of a, a thin kind of a, a mud coat on the outside after. So, no, they wouldn't smell it at all. Okay, take it off, a lot of mud. No, I, can un- I was in Althea in Costa Blanca uh, recently. What was it, Costa Brava? Costa Bravo. Uh, Brava. And the villages there are made from sand mm-hmm. from the beach. They literally take yeah. all of the sand from the beach. Whatever way they compact it, they turn it into sandstone bricks. And they built the entire medieval towns out of them. So, anything's possible. Yeah. You know, no concrete, no, nothing like that. No plaster. I, just sand. There's a there's a project in Tipperary called Clock Jordan where they build like they build cob homes and stuff in there. Like that's an eco village in Tipperary. Um, but like I've travelled, um, I was in Portugal. They also have communities in Portugal where they built these homes. So like there was communities like people came together. They all bought the land together and then built these homes on this kind of community land. Like and have like a whole ecosystem where they grow their own food. They have their own water supply. They collect on their own water. And like, I'd love to do this in Ireland, preferably down in Cork, but like, like um, anywhere basically. But, but, it, in, a, yeah, but in, a, in a bad in a bad fall of rain, <laughs> would it not? No, they're, it's, they're, the they're, because it's, it won't. It, it's so compacted, and when it dries, it's, it's actually okay. not permeable at all. Are you very so, conscious like, of the environment then, and the climate, and the planet? Is it? I have became that way in the last few years. Like, I, my background is in construction. So, like, I've worked up in, like, I used to travel up and down to Dublin every day. Like, and I see, I've seen the amount of waste that's involved in modern homes. Like, it's, it's shocking the amount of waste that goes into modern homes. And then you have, like, your, the costs. Like, one of the biggest things, costs. Like, like I said, like, me and my partner, we work. And, like, where rent is taking up most of our, yeah. our income. yeah. And like with two young kids, like, and it's just, I, I feel like in Ireland, especially, it's nearly impossible to get on the housing market. You know what? They're, you're so right. Cause now I'm even, even wor- hearing words like modular homes, you know, yeah. self-assembly yeah. home. I even heard last night talk, people talking about adapting shipping containers to homes. Would you believe it? Yeah. I've seen, I've looked into it myself. Like I've looked into so many options, like, uh, what I want to do for me and my family is to build, is to actually self-build our own home that the kids can help out on, like, do, do like, buy a piece of land, maybe, like, for the time being, like, maybe put something, like, a temporary home on it, and then over time build up this home. Would you be allowed to build a house like that on your own land, though? Would you get the kind of permission yes, of course, that you would as, need? As long as, like... No, I'm just I'm saying if you own a piece of land, can you build any mm-hmm. kind of habitable structure you like? As long as it's like health and safety compliant, like the fire safety regulations, like I was actually speaking with the local housing uh, planning authorities here in Carlo recently about it, and um, just to see what the regulations are. But like they have no issue with it. They actually kind of they like to see projects like that. Okay, so why aren't you doing it in Carlo? Why Cork? <laughs> From like, I grew up in Carlo. I just I'd love like it's just the area down there, and like I've. <laughs> The reason why I think I'm actually speaking to you on the radio today is because of the post that put up in the sale notice board. Yeah, that's like how we were, saw you. Yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, and the response I got from from that post was amazing. Like, so many reaching out to me saying, look, we have people who do this. There, like, there might be land available here. 
and just it's just it's amazing the response like so it seems to be we're seem to be drawn down to that area okay and you so know if you did, if you manage to do this say in and around Kinsale mm-hmm. and build a house made out of mud and straw okay and you fit it out mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and it's cozy and it's warm would you be self, would you be self sufficient then would you grow your own produce and things like that or or where would it end that's no that's the plan like obviously like the way like with the price of food at the minute as well like the idea is like obviously I don't it is possible to become fully self-sufficient, but I don't think it's the, the end goal for me. Like, I'd, I'd love to be able to like, grow my own stuff, like, to grow my own carrots, potatoes, and all things like that, like, just to, to help offset the costs of going down to the supermarket and picking up stuff. So, like, it is, like, you collect your own rainwater for all this stuff, so it is possible. Oh, fair play to you. And are you handy, like, are you, are you good, are you good at DIY? Can you work with wood, you know, your green fingers? Yeah, like I said, my... My background is in construction. Like I do gardening for a local guy here in Carlo as well. So my, it is my background. Like it is there. The knowledge, obviously, you're, you'll be learning all the time. Like that's why I'm, I'm actually doing a course on how to build cob houses during the summer down in actually Enniskeen. I'd love if you got um, this across the line. I think I think it would be incredible for you. You know, I think it would be. Like I think it's a very achievable way of like small little natural house, people. ecologically friendly. Exactly. Wooden straw like, and growing your own veg people, and like, rare, rearing the children who'd be involved in it and everything. Exactly, like it's like, obviously it is going to be hard work. I've no doubt about it. Like, but it, I think it's the way that like, it could be. It's an alternative to people rather than building a yeah. block or a wooden or timber. Way down like, further you know. west in Dunmanway, up Cool Mountain, we have the Eco Warriors who have li- who have lived a different existence themselves for many years now, perhaps twenty or thirty yeah. years. Are you aware of uh, Cool Mountain? Not really, no. Like, like I said, it's like I'm not like I am ecological, like I am ecologically minded, but like I'm not like an eco warrior. Like I wouldn't go that far. Like I am conscious of what I'm producing and waste yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. it's 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 a way forward. Like I think, like the, the amount of waste people produce, like it's, it's shocking. At the and if somebody well. wants to get in touch with you uh, to help you with regards to your dream, moving to Cork, perhaps Kinsale, certainly somewhere down west, how can they do yeah. so? Um, well, my business, like I have a business email, like I am a photographer by trade, like you can contact me on Declan at pictureit360.com or if just look up Declan Tobin on Facebook and Instagram, it's also a way of getting in contact with me. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm at. Declan at picture360.com. Yeah, Fair play to you. Will you stay in touch and let us know how your dream is progressing? I will do. I will, of course. I got a like funny. I got a funny Cork text from you, right? This is typical Cork humor. Shane says, okay. "Please tell Declan to read the three little pigs." <laughs> <laughs> you know the huffing and the but puffing. Sure, funny enough, like I have been reading to my kids and stuff like that. So that's <laughs> just <laughs> go on, man. Make your dream a reality. Stay in touch and let yeah. us know how it's going. All right. Thanks for your time, Neil, and I really appreciate it. Nah, you're a lovely guy. Really Take care. That. You and your family. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, That's Declan at picture360.com. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Ed Sheeran tickets to give away this side of midday. Listen out for an Ed Sheeran song. Morning, Neil. I was born here and raised in America, and I live here now, but I was arrested a few times there. Thank God never got a possession charge, or I'd never be left back in. But I, di- I still get pulled at customs for hours before I'm ever allowed 
to board a flight to go back uh, to the USA. Um, and then on travel, and of course issues regarding uh, trying to get in and out of Dublin Airport, a lot of crowds this week in and out of Dublin is to do with two Irish Dancing World Championships, one in Belfast, the other in Killarney. Huge amounts are flying in and out all week long for that alone. Uh, I know you talk of Cork Airport, Neil. It isn't great, uh, particularly with regards to food served in the bar and the main restaurant is closed. You'd be lucky to get a sandwich in the bar there these days. And somebody said, I applied for a passport on Monday and it arrived yesterday, Thursday. So, three-day turnaround. To prevent and track unwanted criminals entering the country, as other countries do, put fingerprint scanners at all airports and all ferry ports. Please explain to your listeners that there is no such thing as a non-national. Everyone has a nationality. They could be non-Irish, if you want, or a different nationality, but not a non-national. You know, when you put it like that, you are so right. It's impossible for somebody to have no nationality. So therefore, it makes no sense to call somebody a non-national. Maybe you could say non-Irish national. Uh, Does that mean we have to take back all of the Irish that committed crimes abroad? I think there might be a fair few of them we'd have to take back. Morning, uh, we have no business giving foreign criminals a, a second chance in our country only to go on and reoffend. They have no morals. Ireland is a soft touch when it comes particularly to extremists. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Back to calls in a few minutes' time. If you just bear with me, a second bunch of free food Friday shout-outs now. You could get food for 15 of you, perhaps even more, uh, to be fed by Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool. Morning to Mary O'Donnell, welcoming home her daughter Linda's two daughters and the grandkids home to Carrigaline for the first time in three years. Have a nice Easter break together as a family. Uh, Bridgewater Homes in Rathcormark are listening. Laura's working from home and Kilcully is listening. Nominate my partner Owen and all of the staff at Rockwell Engineering and Pfizer's Ring of Skiddy. Morning to all at Power Aggregates uh, working in the yard. To the staff of the Dean Hotel, AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower. Cork City Jail up in Sunday's well. Morning to Shauna. Congrats on your promotion to assistant manager from your unbelievable dad in Baltimore. And that's from Kevin. So morning to all at Cork City Jail and Sundays Well, welcoming back the tourists. Cork Quick Fix Property Maintenance in Douglas. Good morning to Leisure World in Churchfield, Easons and Maham Point, the Wellwing the Well the Weight Well Being Clinic in Mallow. Could you come up with an easier name for me every week? The Weight Well Being Clinic in Mallow. Um, Bookstation in Douglas, the Golden Years Care Services, whole gang of girls, Catherine, Imelda, Nora, Laura, Teresa, Rachel, Kira, and Louise. And to everybody at the transitional unit in Clonakilty Community Hospital who are listening this morning and just another few here Bowdrin and Ahern Foods Joe's Edge Hair Salon Merview Laboratories Unified Packaging St. Joe's BGH Proquip in Churchfield and Stanta in Blackpool all listening so text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106 and another bunch of shout outs just before midday today can I mention I was mentioning the first cruise liner coming into Cove this morning the first of the long summer which is great it was also on this day April 15th, 1912, the Titanic sank at sea with over 1,500 dead. And it was on this day 110 years ago. And there is a story because there's a new book out now written by a relative of um, one man who was being made out to be for a long, long time to being the worst coward on board Titanic at the time. And that was Bruce Ismay. He was known as the coward of the Titanic, but a relation of his many years later, 
probably a grandson or a grandnephew or something like that, says that according uh, to witness testimony, he actually helped more than people realised. Uh, and the book says that he helped to launch at least seven lifeboats himself, Ismay. Uh, and all of his time was taken up preparing and lowering the boats and lowering the women and the children before at the very, very end, when there were no more women in sight, that he got onto a lifeboat himself. I think when he got back to the UK, and he was pretty much the chairman of the White Star Line, you couldn't get higher than him with regards to the chain of command, those involved in the company that built Titanic, but he was shunned amongst his own. And I think he ultimately went on to live, was it Mayo or Connemara or one of the upper west coast counties of Ireland, where he just retired into anonymity and just went fishing. He never recovered from it. It would be an awful thing if he got a bad deal or got a bad rep for something that, you know, wasn't quite as bad as people make out to be. But if you saw the film Titanic, the one be James Cameron back in 1997, here's a clip from it where Ismay is being told of the damage sustained after hitting the iceberg. This is when he was in conversation with the ship's designer, Thomas Andrews. It was a great film, wasn't it? It really and truly was. When can we get underway, damn it? That's five compartments. She can stay afloat with the first four compartments breached, but not five. Not five. Titanic will founder. But this ship can't sink. She's made of iron, sir. I assure you, she can. And she will. It is a mathematical certainty. And she did. 110 years ago today. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. It's a holy day today. It's a Good Friday. It's a very somber, solemn day. It was an awful lot more somber years and years and years ago. Not so much anymore. But this was the day when you could have one, I think it was one meal and two collations I have no idea what the word... I tried to figure out what the word collation means. I think it might be a tiny little snack. I actually Googled the word collation and all that comes up is coalition. So as to what one meal and two collations back in the day was, uh, I think you had to eat fish. And today is a day when you cannot eat meat. And traditionally... Now, from the point of view of Catholicism, it was a day when you didn't eat meat. You, you eat fish, not meat. And I think, the, and a lot of the, the time on this day, way back years ago, it was battleboard that you would eat. Do you know what battleboard is? Haven't a clue. Okay. Not a clue. Do you know what collation means? No, but if it's a small snack, I imagine like a piece of fruit or something. Okay. Like. Do you know what uh, Connie Dodger is? I I have heard the term, it's wrecking my head. Um, I've heard the term Connie Dodger and I'm, I'm sure I know it from somewhere, but I just... Okay. I'm can't. not going to say what a Connie Dodger is. Okay. You don't know what a Connie Dodger is. I'm going to encourage people out there to tell me if they know what a Connie Dodger is, right? And I'll leave it at that for 15 or 20 minutes. So text 0868104106. What's a Connie Dodger? Because today was a big day for Connie Dodgers in Cork years ago. I, I guarantee you there's someone who knows it. They okay. will know it. I'm going to I, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it to the people. I have, I have, a, I have an idea in my mind now. Okay. So today that. was the day when you bought fi- you ate fish. Yeah. And it was... Battleboard was a dried salted fish. I think it was like ling. You got it in the English market, right? You brought it home. You soaked it for 24 hours to get the salt off. You literally soaked the bejesus out of this fish. It was very cheap. It was a staple diet back then. And that's what people ate. 
Huh? I brought her free food Friday. I'm not going to lie. You know, Rooster's Fairy Fairy sounds a lot more advertising Just than 24 hours. So, before I let you go, fish. Kevin. Do you know, because I asked my son this last night, uh, and he had no idea he's 28 years old. Do you know what getting a 50 is? I, I, I imagine for people of my age, getting a 50 means a totally different thing to what it means. For, for people of a certain age um, and I'm not going to go into it but I'm sure a lot of because people will be laughing because it's probably an illegal substance yeah, right. something but you have no it. idea what the Cork term getting a 50 is it's, it's, and yeah, I, I, and I, I would, 50. I I would 50. consider myself somebody who'd be fairly up to date with Cork slang I'm not somebody who's like I, you know I've been, I'm born past 1980 so I don't care about what, what Cork was like back in the day Like I feel like I have a good idea but you're making a Lee? fool of me now any idea what Lee do you know what getting a 50 is Oh goodness! I have no head- headphones on, so I might have to stop, Kevin. But thanks, Neil. Give me fifty. What is it, Neil? Is it something like? It sounds a bit. Um, somebody's texting there a while ago talking about doing a line <laughs> about how years ago that would have been going out with someone. No, and wrong. so you don't know it, what getting a fifty is. I don't. I haven't a clue. Do you know what a jag is? I know what the jag is. Yeah, what? that's that's kind of dating someone. All is right. It? So yeah. Thank God you know something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but not getting a fifty. Not a clue. Okay, let's throw it out there. Particularly a Connie Dodger. What's a Connie Dodger, lads? Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Colin. I'm here, Neil. Any idea? What, what I, go on. Any idea what getting a fifty is? Getting stood up. Good man yourself. Fair play to you. Where are you from? Originally Belfast. All right. So I mean, how come you know all the Cork terminologies? Well, I tell you, just after I moved to Cork, uh, a girl I knew asked me, um, "Have you got a jag tonight?" <coughs> and I said, "No, I've got a Vauxhall Viva." <laughs> Sitting with two people here, twenty somethings, they don't know what a jag is. They don't know what they don't know what a getting a fifty is. Shameful, isn't it? Do you know what a Connie oh, Dodge? Do you know what a Connie Dodger is? I do. What? <clears throat> um, it was a very large biscuit, wasn't it? <laughs> because Bishop Cornelius Lucy was the Bishop of Cork, and he said you can only have one biscuit a week or something like that. You, this was the day when you could only have one meal and two collations and he said that a biscuit would be allowed as a collation, right? right. So what they did in Cork, do you know what they did? They built huge ones, wasn't it? I mean, like The bakers started to make biscuits the size of dinner plates. Yeah. <laughs> and they called them Connie Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> as in Connie Lucy Dodgers, that's what it was. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, we've been put to shame by a Belfast man. Well done, Colin. And, and a Protestant at that. Oh, a Protestant, a Protestant at that. It can't get any worse. <laughs> you should be a stand-up comedian, man. Fair play to you. Anyway, you're welcome of all persuasions to our beautiful city. But you're just back from Malaga. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, five nights in Malaga. Bed and breakfast, four-star hotel, swimming pool, friendly staff, Free parking outside the door, €342 for two of us. In a four-star Malaga hotel for five nights bed and breakfast, €340 for the two of you. Yep. And if we wanted an evening meal, uh, which was buffet, it was €15 each. Uh, That would include one free drink, which you could have a beer or a wine or... uh, bottle of water or whatever and it was nice food and then you give an example then of say perhaps eating out maybe a toasted special with fries and a burger and chips oh, and yeah, two yeah, glasses of one wine day 
yeah, we decided to go down market one day and went out to a small, almost like a greasy spoon cafe um, and toasted sandwich with fries. Uh, I had a hamburger, hamburger with fries and a small side salad, a uh, glass of red wine, glass of white wine, total bill. Go on, guess. I know, it's 12.50, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, what's that? Is that, uh, that's 6.25 each. Burger, yep. chips, glass of wine. Yeah. Toasted sandwich, chips, glass of wine, 6.25 each. It was the basic price. 140 was the uplift for the, the fries on the side. And a glass of wine was uh, 160, 170. What's and going it, on? It like? It's incredible. It was, a, it was a glass of Rioja, white Rioja and red Rioja. Okay, so five nights, bed and breakfast, four-star hotel in Malaga, €340 Euro for the two of you. You probably also got Absolutely. cheap flights out there. Was it, was it, would it be deemed off-season for that kind of a price? Uh, you... Well, no, coming into Easter week is a very high season for Malaga with their Easter week processions. They're famous for their Easter week, Holy Week processions in Malaga. And that's coming from Protestant It's incredible value, isn't it? By comparison to some oh, of the is, hotel yeah. prices and, you know, car well, we rental prices. for one night. Oh, yeah, our, our son's coming back from Vancouver in um, May and he asked me to look at car hire prices. Good God, I have to take a mortgage out in the house. It, it's, it's like a, a car for two and a half weeks is working out at like 1800 euros oh my god how did it ever get so crazy well the prices I gave out were only for 24 hours I'd hazard yeah. I'd, I'd need I'd need resuscitating if I gave it for a week here are some examples though what I did then and I don't mean to be down on cork or anything but you can't you can't avoid uh, the costs when you look at them Friday night right so book into a cork hotel I did this yesterday, so it's for tonight. So I'm going to book into a Cork hotel yesterday for tonight. I would pay uh, €499 for the night in Hotel Isaacs. I would pay €345 for the night in the Maldron on the Mall. I would pay €367 for the River Lee. Are you getting where this is going? Clayton Hotel Uh Silver Springs, €329 for the night. Um, The Dean... 385 euro for the night. So one night in a hotel in Cork costs more than five nights bed and breakfast in a four-star hostel for yourself and your wife in Malaga. So did those prices you quote include breakfast? Um, da, 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 no, no breakfast. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Let me have another look here. Well, the, my, dean, my, the dean price now, 385 no breakfast. Um, oh, let me have another look here. The Riverley Hotel, 367, no breakfast. The Maldron, 345, no breakfast. No, no breakfast. That, that's crazy. And I just checked there, uh, my car hire for Monday, 5 o'clock, until Saturday, 6 o'clock, uh, 99 euro. For the week? Yeah. And what? that was a Seattle pizza. But how, how do they do it? They, I know their wages are very low. They got millions of tourists, so they're turning out vast amounts of money. Is that why? Well, Malaga Airport was very busy. Malaga itself was quite busy. But the airport has been done up. When We went quite often pre-COVID. And Malaga Airport was always busy. It was nice. They spent a fortune doing it up. Yeah, 
I suppose they can if they have millions of people. You see, it's the Mediterranean. It's a sunshine destination. They got millions and millions and millions of tourists. We don't, you know. Yeah, so we try try and turn them away by penalising them with cost. That's they're the prices. They're the ones I came across. Okay, well, welcome, welcome back. Should I show you the door and ask you to leave again? Oh, I think I would be very good if you, Neil. Thanks very much. <laughs> I'd say you sent me. All right. Take care, Colin. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Yeah. Got on to the, we've got on to the vetting question, so I'm waiting a response. So at this point, I will just uh, read the email out without talking about the vet as such. I was at home on Tuesday night when I heard our family dog vomiting. I hope it wasn't that, like in our house, where they got into the Easter eggs or what have you. Anyway, dog was vomiting. Uh, when I went to investigate, I found him on the floor shaking and panting uncontrollably. In a panic, I rang a vet as they were the closest out of our surgery to my home. Explained the symptoms to the vet uh, on the call and he told me to bring the dog in for examination. Upon arrival, I was greeted by the vet who immediately told me my dog had swallowed something toxic. He checked the dog's temperature it was 41 degrees, which informed me was enough to kill the dog by itself. I had to stand in the shower for around 20 minutes with my dog while spraying him with cold water to get his temperature down. As a result of his dangerously high temperature, the dog had to stay there overnight. I knew this would cost more than I initially anticipated. And as it was an emergency, we weren't financially prepared for it. When the vet called me the following day to tell me the dog would be collected, I was so relieved. I explained to the vet that evening when I arrived to collect the dog that I couldn't afford the €426 bill in one payment, as I have three young kids in a household with only one income. I offered €150 up front and to pay the balance in two weekly instalments, as I know they have done this for people in emergency situations in the past. I was shocked when the vet refused point blank to set up a payment plan and told me they were keeping the dog until I made the full payment. I did not think they could do this legally. After all, just because my dog was in their care doesn't make him their property, if you ask me. While I was glad of the care they gave my dog, I felt very unfairly treated, especially in the current climate. It's hard enough to make ends meet on a regular week, let alone a week when someone asks for €426 for the return of your family pet. Uh, I think it's disgraceful how I was treated. I hope you can shed light on this subject as I know there are other families in similar situations. Well, my kids are distraught and their beloved dog can't come home until we pay. And if nothing else, it might prepare someone for their family pet um, if they ever get sick. Be prepared for a big bill. Don't give out my details. They still have my dog in their care um, and I don't want the job of getting the dog made back, the dog back made any more difficult. Now, um, I, am, I am reliably informed that many vets do set up a payment plan. All right, That's what the lads were telling me around the building here today. I also know that vet charges for dogs and for sick animals are very, very high. Much higher, I would think, I hazard a guess, uh, than going to your GP if you're a human being. Your dog will cost you a fortune. Now, there are pet plans for insurance, I believe. And I'm, and I'm told that if you get the right one, it can be very, very good. And it will look after all of the bills if you take up out pet insurance. So I don't know. We've been in touch with the vet and we, we've asked them to respond. And it's on that basis that I'm not naming them at the moment. Just want to see if we can get a response. Because I kind of feel for vets in this regard. Like, you could have somebody come in with a dog that's very, very sick. 
you could spend 400, 500 euro worth of work on the dog and, you know, the dog stays overnight is to be checked. So it runs up to 450 euro, 500 euro. And you could have somebody come in and say, I don't have it. I can give you 50 now or I can give you 100 or I'll give you 100 a week or 50 a week for the next eight weeks. And they might never pay you back, right? They might never pay the bill. They might give you a 50 or 100 and leg it and say, give you the two fingers. I'm not suggesting this is the case in this email. They wanted to put together 150 up front and the balance in two weekly installments. But I can also see it from the vet's perspective. They are running a business. Like you, you wouldn't go into a restaurant with a three-course meal and say, I'll give you 10 now and I'll give you five or a week for the rest of the next six months. Anyway, your thoughts on that are, well, are welcome. The vet, the vet, I'm told, has said you can't have the dog back till you pay the entire bill up front. I would love to see a situation where some kind of a structured payment plan could be put in place that people would then honour the payment plan. So do people set up payment plans with vets, lads? And do you pay it off on a weekly basis? And, you know, what happens if you stop paying? Is the, is the vet out of pocket? So it's a tough one for me because it's a business at the same time. But not everybody can find €456 Euro overnight for an emergency like that. It is an awful lot of money. All right? Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I'd love to hear back from the vets to see what they have to say on the matter. In fairness, they're a business at the end of the day. Mick, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are we doing? Oh, we're we looking at cheap prices overseas by comparison to home all morning, you know? I had the prices here, Neil, are crazy. They've always well, been look, that way, uh, though, haven't they? They have, but the reason they are, Neil, is that, look, we haven't a sovereign government to look after own affairs. That's the, what the but the government is. don't set the prices of hotels or B&Bs or, 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 you know, holiday rentals in West Cork and Kerry. It's the Irish set those prices. Well, as I said, Neil, we haven't a sovereign government. We've only provisional government. And if we were looking after own affairs, freezing the Crown, EU and IMF, we could be the tourist capital of the world in the morning. How we do it? How would we do that? If and, and who'd be running the country if it wasn't a government? Well, we'd have, as I said, we'd have a sovereign government. Meaning? Right. Partition, partition of Ireland, right, is a fancy name for British apartheid system. And both provisional governments on both sides have failed the sovereign Irish people. We need back control of all our own affairs. And more importantly, Neil, we need our own monetary system based on the value of natural resources. What is that? Like, how do we get on to having our own currency and, and, and having, a, having a chip on our shoulder about the Brits when it comes to the cost of holiday at home? Well, look, we're being ran from the Brits. As I said, the Hosey Rockers is a corporation by royal descent imposed on the sovereign Irish people. No, we, we, we elect them as part of a democracy. We choose those that we send. Well, Neil, if they were to tell the truth to who they really represent... There's no one would vote for them. Oh, that, that, that our politicians really only represent the wealthy and the elite and the chosen few. Well, as I said, a corporation yeah. by Royal Saint Leon, yeah. Neil. Yeah. Yeah. They're not looking after our interests at all, which they've proven time and time again. And how would we be the tourism capital of Europe? Because, as I said, we'd be looking after our own affairs, have a monetary system based on the value of natural resources. I mean, there's... As I said, we would be the tourist capital of the world. We'd be easily ample to other countries how to run their affairs. I wonder if people are frightened to come else. into Ireland because it's so expensive, you know? Well, would you blame them, Nate? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, yes, right. I wouldn't be coming in the right of it, too. Um, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed seeing our country over the two years. If you're asking me to be honest, I enjoyed seeing places that I'd never seen before around Ireland during COVID when I couldn't go overseas. I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, oh, without a doubt, we have one of the best places in the world, scenery-wise and everything. But 
just wanted to hear us. That's what our problem that's is. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And, others, and others want a bit of sunshine. It's not guaranteed here. Thanks, Mick. Text 0868104106 on that. Can I just say uh, there was texts and uh, emails and on-air and off-air conversations with people who were talking about hotels refunding money for bookings uh, and I'm hearing as well that there are also weddings being cancelled around the country um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the hotels now are taking Ukrainian refugees now this is not in any way shape or form a criticism of people coming and leaving a war-torn country but here's the selection on those my friend and his partner had their wedding cancelled by a hotel because they're letting the hotel out to Ukrainians and now they must find a new hotel for October uh, we contacted the hotel in question in Tralee and they confirmed that all weddings, all tours and all functions have been cancelled for the next four months. So that's an example of what's happening where hotels are cancelling many, many bookings and then they're filled up then with Ukrainian refugees because the government are paying them a particular rate. Another one, just listening to the gentleman and lady on your show from Thursday, a friend of mine had a full hen party booking and another friend had a booking for a wedding. Both were cancelled to accommodate Ukrainian refugees. How is that fair? Morning, this happened to me twice. A hotel in Dublin cancelled my booking through booking.com for a Garth Brooks concert. And again, for a guest house in Tullamore, I got cancelled. I have a wedding there next week, both through booking.com. This is the message I received from Booking.com. Uh, Dear Miriam, the hotel has requested the cancellation of your booking for the 23rd of April. They have agreed to waive the cancellation fee for this booking. This means you can now cancel free of charge. Your booking will remain valid if you don't select the auction, etc. I rang the accommodation and I was told it was gone to the government for Ukrainians. It says on the booking uh, that it remains valid if I don't respond. Anyway, that's, that's not relevant. The whole building has already gone to Ukrainians and Booking.com will not help me to find accommodation alternatively. Another one. We had a hotel booked since the start of the year for May. We had, the, we had a booked through Booking.com. The hotel even rang us and asked us to book directly with them instead. Then last week, out of the blue, we received a phone call from the hotel saying they could no longer honour our booking as the government is making them take refugees. Uh, I don't know about the making part of it, but there are hotels now cancelling. I'm texting in relation to hotels cancelling in order to house people from the Ukraine. I'm living in Yall and a local hotel here in the centre of town has apparently done the same thing. They have cancelled all summer bookings, including tourists coming in for the Ironman in August. I'm all about helping others, but what about our own? Yall is a town that depends on summer trade. We need tourists to get us through and this hotel to pull their services from the town centre. I and many other locals think it's awful and that it's pushing people to neighbouring towns to spend money instead of here in Yall. I'm not at all saying the Ukrainian people don't need help. Of course they do. But we also have to help our own as well. It's very frustrating because you don't want to be seen as heartless. That's not the case. But we really need to look forward and to ask when all of this help will end and uh, when will local people be in a position to use our own hotels? That's from a business person. We contacted the hotel in question in Yall, the old Imperial Hotel, and they confirmed that uh, room bookings have been cancelled for the summer as the hotel is accommodating Ukrainian refugees. The hotel says, and I understand what they're saying when they say this, their room occupancy at this time of the year is very low up until the summer months and that their contract for Ukrainian refugees is three months long but could extend depending on the situation. They say that they didn't have to cancel Ironman bookings, but decided to out of an abundance of caution and that all those people 
who are booked for Ironman have been offered alternative accommodation in the town. They say the bar and the hotel and the restaurant is still open to the public for the duration of the three months, but they've cancelled all bookings and the hotel will instead have only Ukrainian refugees. You asked a question on the air, Neil, um, what kind of money is being paid by the state? They are getting €200 Euro per person per night for each refugee. That's why Cork Hotels have no problem taking them. €200 Euro per person per night from the state. And there's more and more of those, but I need to come up for air. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, lads, lines are open on 0818-104-106. We have Sunday Carvery lunch for four people, two courses, plus tea or coffee. Um, and I'm going to take caller 10 and every caller thereafter. Get Dolly now on 0818-104-106. Sunday Carvery lunch for four people. You will love it. And that's courtesy of ourselves in the Oriel House Hotel, ready to welcome you to Easter Sunday lunch. Lunch. If you're looking for somewhere lovely to have lunch, I've eaten out there. The food is terrific and they're doing a wonderful carvery this coming Sunday. So you want to win that? Pick up the phone now. 0818-104-106. Meanwhile, I'm trying to squeeze as much as I can in this side of midday. I was chatting with Billy McGailey, the DJ, yesterday. He was climbing a Caron tool with... Uh, his equipment to do a sunrise gig this morning on top of Coron Tool. And he did it. And he joins me by phone. Billy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? How'd it go? Uh, honestly, horrific. <laughs> oh, man, I thought you were going to say terrific. <laughs> it's brilliant. I'm absolutely buzzing now. But um, like the, the weather was just not uh, in our favour. And I'm actually sitting here at the bottom in Cronin's car park looking up and I can see the top perfectly. But um, it just wasn't for us going up. We got soaked on the way up, um, blown out of it above on top of it. But look, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time. So was it wet, windy and cold up there? Oh, Baltic. I couldn't, like, when I was trying to play the decks up there, I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel my fingers, basically. I see yeah. photographs of you up there. Thank you. you it, like, it looks as if there was zero visibility on top. We were okay, actually. Surprisingly enough, it was a little bit, yeah, it wasn't as bad now as, uh, as I was thinking it was going to be. So um, we were able to kind of get some kind of content, you know, videos and photos. But um, it was just terrific up there. Like it was um, really cold, really uh, wet, and uh, freezing. How long did you play? Honestly, this is embarrassing. <laughs> just got about three songs before it stopped. <laughs> uh, the decks were getting soaked. Oh um, my god! Like yeah, I was literally waiting for them to shut down. It was just that bad up there. So oh we got things going. Uh, recorded we couldn't even live stream couldn't put the laptop out it would literally would have blown away um, so we recorded on a phone so I'll, I'll be uploading I put uh, up a well, quick list yeah, yeah you're going to upload whatever you got on social are you whatever you got yeah, yeah. you'll hear a lot of wind unfortunately but uh, yeah it's funny that we were, we were reviewing some of the footage there but when I get back home now I'll put something up but, uh, can we, any so problem any problem getting up and down no is that easy enough the devil's ladder is the route we went up and it was basically a riverbed so it was very, very wet. Um, and obviously the, the weight of the equipment as well, like I kind of knew it was going to be bad, but um, it was it was like the longest gym class I've ever done in my life, which is non-stop. Non, non <laughs> um, what? Was, what? What's the story now? Have you defrosted? Does somebody give you hot soup or coffee or something? <laughs> Would you believe I do deep heat? My legs locked up. Um, completely oh, God, cramped. Really? And I put yeah, heat on my legs so I could get moving again to get down. I couldn't make it up. Oh, listen, at least you did it. You were committed to doing it. You did it. You got up there. You played the set. You got down. Weather was against you, but you continue to raise funds. It's for Red Cross, isn't it? 
Oh, the Irish Red Cross, yeah. So we had the cross and it's half set up right above. We couldn't really see it. But uh, yeah, no, look, it was, it was getting done one way or another, and I'm glad we stuck through it. Um, I'd have to say a massive thanks to everyone that came with me as well. It's too many to list now, but without their help, it wouldn't have happened. They put in a massive performance. You did it. So, yeah, you did it. Yeah. You did it. And tell me, do you meet anybody else at that ungodly hour, half three in the morning going up, or do you meet anyone we, coming down? We had the place to ourselves. It was brilliant. Um, yeah, and then on the way up, we were coming back down in. Um, everyone knew we were up there, so we were stopping chatting. Everyone was like, oh, well done, and asking questions. So there was loads of kind of positive support on the way down. Well done, boy. Well done. So tell me, if and when you put the stuff up, where can people view it? So it's all on my social media, so BMG Sound on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, yeah, the stuff got up anyway. I did some videos as I was going up. Well done, man. Well done. Well just as well, what I have you, the GoFundMe still live. Um, hopefully, people will realise what has happened now that they can see it online. Um, so yeah, I'm going to leave that open for a Okay, the GoFundMe is Ireland's highest DJ set in aid of Ukraine crisis. If anybody wants to donate, BMG Sound on all social media channels to see exactly what you did and your sound as well. So well done, Billy, all right? Thanks so much for the right, help as well. Appreciate look it. Look after yourself. Not a bother. Take care. Bunch of shout-outs. Free Food Friday, courtesy of yourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri. To Marek Prompto and Watergrass Hill who are listening. To Cullen View Interiors. To Made For You Cleaning Services in Middleton. Irish Express Cargo. To everybody working at Murphy and O'Sullivan on the site in Shanakeel. To Sports Matters Media Team. Stephen, Phil, Jerry, all working hard in McCurtain Street. Dental Options and Black Rock are working hard and listening. All the staff at Irish Express Cargo celebrating a birthday there today, Currently, to everybody at House of Hair and Kinsale. Good morning to Sandra, Donna and Arlene. And to Lillian and the cleaners at Compass Crew at Boston Scientific. All of the hardworking staff at TK First Aid and Hygiene and McCroom. Grub for the lads will be class, eating free food and letting time pass. I must get off the phone now. Don't be a meanie. It wouldn't look good if I get caught by the Sweeney. <laughs> Texting while driving, you can't be doing that. SOS Recovery in Blarney and Tremor Road would love roosters as well, says Billy M. Okay, so we'll pick a winner for our Fee Food Friday in a couple of minutes' time before I love you and leave you for the day. Uh, I just need a full name and address for the Oriel House giveaway, if you don't mind. So just the full details for Sunday. We've got a winner coming in on that. Neil, is a Connie Dodger related to a Dickie Dodger? No. No connection in any way, shape or form. A Dickie Dodger is a completely different type of cork piece of slang it, 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 it's actually about a, it, it's about a person a type of person <laughs> I've been dragged off the air now if I ask people to tell me do you know what a dicky dodger is a Connie dodger God save Ulster when the good Protestants from Belfast are going to Malaga for the Easter religious parade. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, you ask people what a Connie dodger was or getting a 50 never heard of them Simply love Cork and everything about it. I was born a Kilkenny cat, but I'm a Langer by choice. Love Cork, love its people. I love to walk around and talk in the town of Yall, a beautiful place where I live. I found my home at long last, says PJ and Yall, who's a regular contributor to this program down through the years. So good morning to you, PJ. And I asked what a Connie Dodger was. It's a biscuit, you mad thing. Yes, it was. It was a biscuit that the bakers in Cork invented to get around Bishop Connie Lucy, telling us we could only have one small meal 
and maybe a couple of biscuits. So they invented a biscuit the size of a dinner plate. And that's where it came from. Uh, I know I had a lot on Cork slang that I wanted to do. There's just one other lovely story, actually. It's Good Friday today. And there's a story in The Independent this morning talking about the death of Christ before I love you and leave you. You know the, the Shroud of Turin. There's a lot of talk as to whether that was of the Shroud of Christ that was buried, that Jesus was buried in after he was taken down for the crucifix. And then there was a lot of research said, no, it wasn't. It's certainly medieval, but it wasn't as old as people were trying to make out to be. There's more research coming out now saying, actually, you know, they're, they're carbon dating it and it could well have been from the time of Christ. But they did some work on the, on the, Shur, the Turin Shroud uh, recently where they said, and they had all sorts of different consultant neurologists look at it and analyze it. One of them said that Jesus died from internal bleeding. The internal bleeding would have had to do with the 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 um, the spear that pierced his side. But they also, this is astonishing. The neurologist looking at the shroud said that it depicted a man who had a dislocated shoulder, and that the shoulder was so dislocated that the right hand stretched four inches lower than the left. And they say that that dislocation of the shoulder using radiocarbon methods probably had to do with Christ carrying the cross for so long that it dislocated his shoulder. I mean, it's incredible what they can come up with now, isn't it? It really and truly is. So this is written in the Catholic Medical Quarterly, and I was reading it this morning. And that's, you know, that's the day we're talking about today. Uh, you know, we're in the Easter season, and today being being Good Friday itself. Um Lines will stay open on 086-8104-106. You can text to your heart's content and you can also email neil at redfm.ie. But it's another very important day today and I've been telling you about it all morning. I'll say no more. Loving can hurt Straight Hearing you whisper through the phone Wait for me to come home Come on yourself, Eddie boy. You'll be in Cork in another week or two. Anyway, Patricia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Well done. Congratulations. You big Ed Fear and Sheeran fan? Well, I'm big enough, yeah, but my sons are killing me because they're going. Are they, go- are they going anyway or are you going to give them the tickets? No, no, I'm going to keep them for myself. All right, so they have their own tickets, have they? Yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. Who are you going to bring with you? I suppose I'll bring my husband with me. That sounds like an awful chore. Don't bother. Bring someone else. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to suppose to bring him. You need to want to bring him. I do. I do. I want to bring him. All right. Well, come up from McCroom then. Make a day of it on uh, Friday the 29th. Ed Sheeran and Parky Cueve. All right? Thanks ever so much. You're welcome. Shocking phone line. Delighted for you. And thank you for listening. Good morning to everybody in McCroom. Free Food Friday winner for today. Power aggregates in Carrick Tool. Happy Good Friday to all. Power aggregates Carrick Tool. Starving and working hard in the yard. Please feed us. Have a great Easter, everybody. Well, I will feed you. And if there's 15 of you, it'll be well fed. Um, indeed, feed more than 15 of you, courtesy of yourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool. And finally, although, oh, thank you so much, Claire Kennefick from Ballygarvan. You're off to the Oriel House Hotel in Ballancolic for Sunday Carvery Lunch for you and three of your friends. So four of you off for a Carvery Lunch at, um, at the Oriel in Ballancolic. So enjoy it. Have a great weekend, a long weekend. Enjoy your Easter. Eat lots and lots of Easter eggs. I'll see you Tuesday. 
Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.